Hi, this is The Greatest Story Ever Played. I'm Dan, and with me is Connor from Lore Party. Howdy. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, so today we're going to spend some time talking about Days Gone. Also, at the end, we're going to talk more about Lore Party, so definitely stick around for that, hear about uh, their awesome podcast they have going over there. Also, I was uh, fortunate enough to be a guest on there maybe a year ago about where we it talk- was a while back yeah <laughs> yeah it's been a minute uh so it's yeah. fun it's fun uh being on mic again together but uh Definitely. where we talked about uncharted so mm-hmm. that was fun if you like that game uh go check that out for sure yeah yeah so uh i guess with that we'll jump into days gone uh would you want to grab the description for that oh sure yeah uh First of all, I just got to say I'm, I'm psyched to be talking about this game with somebody because I, I kind of felt like uh, for a while I was one of the only people I knew who had played it. Uh, no one else at Lore Party has played it yet, so uh, I've been trying to get someone over there to uh, play it with me or at least catch up with me so we could do some episodes on it. So I was psyched when you reached out and you mentioned that you were planning on playing it, but it is, uh, yeah, it's an open-world action-adventure game. Uh, came out uh, 2019, I think, last year. Or a year before, I yeah, nineteen. No, 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 I'm right. nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. <laughs> my my quarantine brain has me completely lo- losing track of all concept of time. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah time's not time's not real anymore. <laughs> time's not real anymore. Exactly. <laughs> but no, the game the game uh, is is actually really underrated. But we'll get into that later. But what it does do is it puts you in the shoes of a of a motorcycle outlaw turned post apocalyptic drifter and bounty hunter named Deacon Saint John. And he kind of uh, makes his way through the wilderness of the Pacific Northwest after uh, a devastating global pandemic has turned millions, maybe billions of people into uh, bloodthirsty, cannibalistic, zombie-like thingers. And uh, <laughs> it's it's honestly, it's, it's really cool. It's really immersive. Uh, it's all about uh, surviving, but also trying to find a reason to live. I, I, I like to boil it down to that. It's not just surviving. It's uh, finding a reason to keep going is a big part of the story. So... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to break it down and, uh, and see where the, uh, where the journey takes us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. I was excited when I'd found someone who'd played it. Cause I was like, this has been on my radar for a while, but I, uh-huh. I, did, I hadn't known someone who'd played it yet. So it worked out perfect for that for sure. Totally. And yeah. Love that description. That's great. So, uh, I guess last kind of, uh, little background stuff before jumping into the story itself, which. Also, we're going to spoil the shit out of this game, so if you haven't played it... Yeah, fair, fair warning, <laughs> just, just so you know. Yeah, everything's getting covered, so definitely play this game before proceeding or uh, be ready for spoilers. But yeah, last bit of background information is uh, this was developed by Ben Studio, who are primarily known for doing uh, Uncharted, The Golden Abyss, and Resistance Re- Retribution. So these are actually PSP and like PSV ps vita titles of um other like first party playstation games so they didn't actually even have a game come out in the ps3 era i saw some for like ps1 ps2 but then this is their first ps4 game so it almost feels like their studio uh almost reawakening or something like that like it seems like sony kind of had them on side projects before this i I was thinking that days gone was sort of ben studio's uh debut it was like their first really fully fledged IP, like their their first new intellectual property that wasn't like a spinoff or a or just an entry, like a mobile or handheld entry in another series. So it was a big 
kind of step for them, almost a gamble. It was like, hey, this is the game that could make or break our reputation, and uh, I applaud them. I, I think they did a great job with it. But yeah, uh, no, I agree. And cool, just seeing another like studio of the Sony Studios like hopping out with a new IP. It's like you've got. Mm-hmm. You know, Insomniac getting Spider-Man going, or you know, Naughty Dog, of course, slaying everything they do, or oh, course, yeah. <laughs> or um, or even like Guerrilla Games with getting like Horizon Zero Dawn going or whatever. Yeah, so exactly. It, it's cool that like another one of their studios is like, hey, we got we've got a new IP too, and you know. Oh, you can't forget about Sucker Punch with Ghost of Tsushima. Just so many uh, yes. first-party studios completely knocking it out of the park with these new IPs or uh, really cool projects. So. Uh, keep slaying Sony. I am a Sony man. I will say I'm kind of a Sony fanboy. So keep keep it up. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, me too. Totally uh, Sony fanboy. It's like I, if people want to play Xbox and all that, I have no problem with that. And like I have yeah, a Switch. I have a Switch. I'm all for that. But Sony definitely has uh, f- what they like to make and what I like to play are basically mm. the same thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then last, I guess real background thing is this game has a lot of characters but we wanted to just highlight the kind of couple biggest ones that will matter which are of course Mm -hmm. deacon saint john who connor mentioned off top he's a drifter uh nowadays in uh pre-apocalypse he was like an outlaw biker motorcycle gang member type guy then we've got sarah who is deacon's wife she's also uh, a researcher um that's what she did beforehand and then we've got boozer who's deacon's best friend and is also in uh the same bike gang so those are kind of your big people you're with throughout the game or have big parts in the game and you meet other people along the way and uh we'll talk about them as they arise yeah other characters come and go in deacon's life but definitely his pillars like the people that hold his life up were his wife sarah and his best friend boozer like those were his that's his closest circle. Everyone else is kind of like a secondary player. Yep, 100%. Yeah. And actually, yeah, I guess actually we had one more thing we wanted to talk about before uh, before getting into the story, which is obviously there's lots of uh, gunplay in this game. And, uh-huh. you know, you can, uh, I don't know, destroy this world in a lot of ways. <laughs> so we took to Twitter and asked what are people's favorite weapons in this game. But uh, let's start first with you, uh, Connor. What were your favorites? Oh man, like you mentioned, there's just so many to choose from. It's it was it was honestly hard for me to pick favorites, but uh, I uh, just honestly these aren't even favorites; they're more like honorable mentions. Uh, just like, I can't pick favorites, but like fair, I I do have to shout out uh, the little stubby shotgun. It's a uh, it's technically it counts as a sidearm, like Deacon carries it in like his uh, leg holster, but it's a little sawn off lever action shotgun. It is so slick. It's like that thing that uh. Arnold uses in Terminator 2. It's like one of those. Uh, and, uh, it's just so awesome because he can like shoot it from his motorcycle as Deacon's driving. Uh, so I always thought that was really fun to use. There's an assault rifle called the MWS, which is modeled after the real-life Steyr AUG, a gun I really like. Uh, that was really fun to use, and it was like that was the first primary weapon I got in the game where I felt like, okay, now we're talking. This is like a real killer. I'm actually kicking some ass with this thing. I feel equipped and ready so uh, that was a nice feeling gun for me early on last shout out to another sidearm a pistol called the eliminator it's just so slick it's awesome as hell it's like this big heavy caliber uh pistol it looks like a cross between like the uh desert eagle in real life a little bit like a 1911 45 it's just one of those big loud badass guns 
and I, I just I just love the feel of that kind of that type of weapon. So those were some of my favorites. Oh yeah, being able to get the that power right there is huge. Feel the power in your hands. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. What about you? What about you? For me, my two favorites were in the beginning of the game. I used the crossbow a lot. Oh, of course. I, I played pretty like stealth heavy at the beginning, and so a lot of you know sneaking up and uh, arrowing guys. And then later in the game, when I got the uh, the fifty cal, the BFG sniper rifle. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I really love that. Uh, put the silencer on there. Um, it made me stop using my crossbow. <laughs> that was like my <laughs> my go to at that point. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, You're cutting loose at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So nice. really, really enjoyed both of those. Also, yeah, along the way, there are lots. I think I had the Eliminator for a lot, too, of just having a, a pistol with huge knockdown power. That was super helpful because, mm-hmm. you know, that that beginning pistol, it's like you're, you're having to hit them three, four, five times to get yeah, them. Yeah, no, your, so. first, your first pistol or two are just complete pea shooters, so it's nice to get, like, a, yeah. a real, real beast. Yeah. So... The, yeah, those are some of my favorites. But there, there are so many games. I felt uh, so many guns in this game. I felt like, uh, which we'll see in a second when we start going through them. But when people were writing in all their favorite weapons, I was like, I didn't use a lot of these. I probably need to go back and grab some of these other guns because uh, they sound great. Yeah, it was really cool to see what else people were using. Like, uh, I, I thought a lot of time, like, oh yeah, that was a cool gun. I just didn't use it a lot. And like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there were some examples of like you actually used that one. I, I barely touched that one. So yeah, it was cool to see what everyone else uh, considered their favorites. Yeah, cool. I uh, I guess we'll start with Nikki on Twitter, and she says she really liked using the knife. Whatever uh, hardcore bat you can craft, which oh yeah, those were dope. Oh, uh, crafted <laughs> melee weapons were great. Oh, yeah, especially at the end of the game when you got those uh, ones from Corey. Those were sick. Mm-hmm. I do love melee. Otherwise, uh, the shotgun, uh, the combat one, you can buy at Wizard Island. Also, the sniper rifle was very useful, so mm-hmm. uh, good good variety there. Uh, Daniel on Twitter says uh, his favorite was any weapon that has freaking ammo. Uh, quote, I ran out of it constantly, unquote. <laughs> I, I sort of I feel that. <laughs> that was, yeah. Uh, yeah. You got you got to be careful with uh, where you put your bullets in that game. Yeah, at the beginning, I felt like I really had, especially at the beginning, I felt like I really had to count my shots because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to end up without any bullets and just like running around <laughs> trying to like find shit. It seems like the better weapons, like the the more advanced or higher grade weapons you get, they just hap- they just make you able to carry more ammo for them. Like they're just the mm-hmm. the maximum ammo is higher so yeah the further on you get in the game the more bullets you could carry generally speaking so it, it gets better yeah <laughs> it gets better yeah. don't worry yeah it gets better um sam on twitter said uh my favorite weapon is definitely the baseball bat axe i definitely agree it's a it's a hell of a weapon mm-hmm. i always wanted to have one of those on me at all at, at, at any given time i wanted to have one on me Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That was like one of my first upgrades. Once I had like scrap or whatever, I'm like, all right, I gotta just do this. Mm-hmm. Like, just just having that in a pinch is so helpful. Absolutely. Diego on Twitter says the US five five six because it was in the E three trailer and it's very swag. <laughs> Absolutely true. Uh, they call it the US uh, US five five six. It's basically like the uh, M four rifle, and uh, it's it's cool. It's it's slick as hell. It's easy to use. And yeah, in the early E3 trailer, uh, Deacon used it to gun down a bunch of freakers, and it's really cool to see in action. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Zombie Guts on Twitter said, I had a lot of fun with both the Chicago Chopper and the RPD. Mowing down hordes with those weapons and two birds, one bullet is peak fun gaming. Uh, yeah, Chicago Chopper is great. Oh, man. That, that was a, that was a favorite I, of mine, too. I Yeah, definitely shout out Chicago Chopper. Oh, yeah. Once I, once I got that, it was like when there was groups of zombies or hordes, I was like, okay, I'm not that afraid now. Like mm-hmm. Because, you know, its magazine is just so big mm-hmm. and, you know, its rounds actually do something. That was huge. Speaking of which, Jerome on Twitter seconds that. He says, uh, definitely the Tommy gun. Quote, need to get rid of a horde quickly. That's that's uh, what the yeah it's Ch- Chicago Chopper is what the game calls it, but it's the Thompson submachine gun with that classic like uh, Chicago gangster uh, drum magazine. It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Greg on Twitter says, "I swear by the crossbow." I agree. Crossbow is the way of life. Mm-hmm. Jashy on Twitter says, "The PDW is probably my favorite weapon, and use it more often over my primary." Interesting choice, but I, I agree. The PDW is uh, probably the best pistol in the game. It's kind of a late-game acquisition. Uh, it's 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 accurate. It's powerful. It's easy to aim. It's uh, it fires fast. Uh, large magazine. It's just the best pistol in the game, hands down. Uh, and uh, yeah, you get it later on. So I that was a favorite of mine as well. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Catnip on Twitter says, "I love the Liberator shotgun and my Beastie sniper rifle." Nice, nice. Yeah. Polish Wolf on Twitter says, The Cowboy. Two-word answer, just The Cowboy. The Cowboy is an interesting choice. I actually barely touched that gun, but it's actually, it's it's interesting. It's a, it's a neat little gun. It's like a, a revolver carbine. It's like an Old West rifle, but with a revolving chamber. It's it, it's weird. You have to just check it out in action. But uh, uh, Yeah, I didn't even realize that one was in the game, so when I saw that, I was like, I gotta go try that gun out. That sounds sweet. Yeah, I... I, I <laughs> bought it and tried it out my first playthrough i was like yeah i'm not really into this but i it was definitely memorable i was like that's an interesting gun so yeah that, yeah that's cool todd on twitter said the 50 cal bfg oh of course he, he and you you and he were uh, of the like mind on that one that it's a popular gun eight bit on twitter really enjoyed using the spike bat again n- there's nothing more satisfying than just swinging that bat around and knocking some skulls out it's good stuff it's good stuff good times oh yeah oh yeah uh zombie slayer on twitter said uh the us 556 so another vote over there mm-hmm. another vote for that kevin on twitter says chicago chopper a score a score another one for the chicago chopper mm-hmm. and then uh lastly maybe laying down the authority deacon st john on twitter says <laughs> chicago chopper so there it is that's the definitive answer <laughs> yeah deacon himself Deacon's- says <laughs> chicago chopper all the way yep so looks like that's uh the winner for him so that's great but uh thanks everyone for writing those in uh cool seeing yeah again variety of ways that people uh decide to take down the zombies Mm -hmm. fun stuff so uh yeah now we'll get into the recap of the game itself we'll start a little bit chronologically as how the game went but um we're gonna abandon that pretty quick after this uh because being an open world game, you can obviously play this game uh, a lot of different ways, and um, we tried to, con- I guess, set it up in a way that hopefully makes the most sense, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of hearing it and stuff. So that that's kind of our aim, that's what we're going with, but we will start where the game starts, which is 
all hell's breaking loose. You're in the middle of a city, shit's going down, there's chaos, there's fire, there's screaming, uh, there's zombies running around. It's insane. Um, and you see that Sarah has been stabbed in the side and is losing a lot of blood. Boozer is also hurt, and Deacon's trying to corral them um, and get them up to a roof of a building to be able to try to flag down a helicopter to evacuate them um, really amid this shit show that they're in. Right. Civilization's just kind of falling apart around them, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this takes place, the city is uh, Farewell, Oregon. I think that's like kind of the urban center where they lived, but uh, luckily Deacon does manage to get the attention of a helicopter, and it lands on the, on the roof, but uh, the Nero worker. Nero is a acronym. I, I don't remember what it stands for. It's basically, it's basically FEMA. <laughs> it's, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's a guy in a hazmat suit, calls himself O'Brien, and he says uh, he can take Sarah, but only one other person. So only two more people total. So it would have to be like Deacon and Sarah, and they'd leave Boozer behind or vice versa. So there's a choice to be made. And not a good one. Yeah, not a good one. Deacon's can't make this choice mm-hmm. you know uh and so he tells sarah to wait there he's gonna go talk to boozer he gives her uh his mongrels ring which is his uh motorcycle gang mm-hmm. he gives her the ring and is like you're gonna give me this back when you see me um you know i've got to go talk to boozer and boozer is like i heard what's going on you need to get up there and uh deacon's like no i'm not leaving you here alone and so he goes back to there, tells O'Brien, get her out of here. Tell us where you're going. Um, he says a refugee camp that's going to be nearish by. And so Deacon's like, okay, I'll meet you guys there. Um, Sarah is upset, but um, I think Deacon made uh, the right call and definitely like a, a good bro call for sure of, hey, Boozer, I'm going to stick with you and uh, yeah. we'll meet up with her later. It did seem like he made the best possible decision he could make under the circumstances. Like, Sarah would be getting to safety. She'd be getting medical attention. Uh, but Boozer was also wounded and couldn't uh, be expected to look after himself. So, you know, Deacon thought, uh, Sarah's safe. I need to keep Boozer safe. We'll meet her later. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. So it, it, was, it was the best possible call he could make, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I wonder if he was hoping that Boozer wouldn't have heard that and he would have like pushed Boozer on the helicopter and been like, see you guys there. Like, oh, yeah, I wonder maybe. if I wonder if he was hoping it could do that. But Boozer already knew that's possible because <laughs> that feels like a Deacon thing to do is like, you know, I, I'll, I'll fight through hell to get to my friends. But, you know, like that kind of thing. I could see that. That's possible. Yeah. Good point. But no, it's after that, it's basically like a smash cut sort of fast forward. Uh, it's been almost it's actually been a little over two years i guess or roughly two years since uh civilization collapsed due to the uh, freaker infestation and uh at this point in time deacon and boozer they're kind of just on their own uh we don't really know what happened with sarah yet it's not really made clear yet all we know is that deacon and boozer are just kind of making scratching out an existence together and part of that existence that they're making for, for themselves is hunting people who are wanted dead or alive by other people. <laughs> they they have become sort of like the new old western style bounty hunters. And when we join them early on in this uh, part of the game, they're chasing after a guy named Leon, who we get from from context clues. He 
is wanted for stealing some medicine, like some drugs, from a nearby survivor's camp. So they, they're hot on the trail of this guy. And they, they actually come, they come across uh, Leon's accomplice, uh, a, a woman whose name escapes me. Uh, but she's, she's been, like, beaten half to death, and she says, oh, this was Leon, and then she dies. And so Leon is such a piece of shit. He's such a, such a bad guy that he not only steals from this camp with his accomplice, but then they ride away, and then he kills her, <laughs> to, like, you know, screws her mm-hmm. over, and then runs off on his own. So Deacon and Boozer continue to give chase. Yes, so they give chase. Leon goes by. This gives you your kind of first taste of uh, a bike chase that you have Mm -hmm. going on. You chase Leon down. You ultimately uh, trade some shots with him, and then he runs off into the woods, and you pursue. In uh, pursuing, you also uh, learn about tracking skills, which ends up being another feature in Mm -hmm. the game. Ultimately, you make it to Leon, you kill him, he gives you a map as to where the stuff he stole is, and Deacon and Boozer head back to the bikes, but in their shootout previously, Deacon's fuel pump got shot Mm -hmm. out. So his bike can't move, so he stashes it under some brush, and him and Boozer are going to go and look for a new fuel right so they they ride like kind of toward a mountain range that separates the uh, one section of the map from another one it's kind of like there's this border between the cascade wilderness and the uh sort of the another part of like more dry upper plateau area and they pass through this tunnel where they stop and they burn some freaker nests so you learn this other mechanic of the game where freakers during the day because they're kind of nocturnal during the day they find places to sort of just bed down and they gather in these dark, dank corners, and they create freaker nests. And a big part of their job, they actually get paid to uh, burn these freaker nests out. So you learn how to do that on the way. Mm-hmm. And eventually the two of them make it to uh, this really cool little location where it's like part motel, part uh, auto garage, uh, sort of a, a pit stop <laughs> kind of place on this uh, rural highway. And uh, But it's unfortunately... Of course, the place is completely and completely infested with freakers. So they have to come up with a plan to uh, get Deacon inside so he can look for a spare fuel pump. Yes, yeah, so uh, the plan they come up with is Boozer is going to go by in his motorcycle, make a bunch of noise, and try to draw as many of them away from uh, this pit stop, kind of to the, I don't know, other side of that mm-hmm. area. Deacon will be then able to sneak in, grab their stuff. Hopefully only a few freakers are around and he'll be able to kind of make his way. And their plan works. For the most part, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Deacon's able to sneak in. There's, I don't know, five or ten freakers. Something manageable. Not like the the 40 or so that were there before. So Deacon makes his way through. He finds the fuel pump. But then on his radio... He hears B, uh, Boozer in distress. Uh, he's like, get off me, you fucking rippers. Like, fuck yeah. out of here. That kind of stuff. And so Deacon's like, oh, shit, rippers. I got to go. So he runs up to uh, where Boozer had gone. And he sees the rippers have Boozer held down. They've got a blowtorch to his arm and they are burning off uh, the tattoos on his arm. Yeah, it's... 
pretty gruesome. It's 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 uh, pretty hard to watch. But this is also our first uh, introduction to the Rippers as enemies. They're among the first human enemies that Deacon encounters in the game. They're completely psychotic survivors who have ritualistically scarred themselves. They're basically like a cult. They're like a doomsday cult that actually worships the Rippers. No, sorry. That actually worships the Freakers, uh, the infected people. Mm-hmm. So we'll learn more about them later, but uh, this is an interesting introduction to an enemy faction where you get a sense of what they do and how they operate, and part of that is holding a man down and burning his arm off, basically. Luckily, Deacon yes. manages to kill them, and he rescues <laughs> Boozer, they take his bike, they take the part he found, and they hightail it out of there back to their hideout so Boozer can rest up. Yes. Yeah, so they do that, and yeah, they've shown that they're uh, kind of a crazy foe. You would imagine that, you know, people you might fight in the apocalypse might want the things you have or, you know, anything like that. But the Rippers are basically, as you said, they worship the Freakers and uh, is that the old world is dead. So, like, they wanted to get rid of the tattoos, on Boozer's arm because tattoos were part of a dead world. You shouldn't have those anymore. Um, they don't have names anymore. Like, just weird shit like this. So they're um, uh, a really violent, crazy cult mm. uh, kind of thing. Definitely very problematic. Um, but, yeah, Deacon kills them off. That's good. Make it to the high uh, Boozer needs to rest up because his arm is super oh, fucked yeah. up. It's it's so bad that that Deacon ha- like can't do anything about it with what they have, so he has to go find some actual medical supplies to do something about it. Um, in, in the process, he you know he visits a Nero checkpoint, an old uh, an old facility that uh, Nero had set up back during the collapse, and finds some bandages. He also visits a nearby camp run by a guy named Mark Copeland, who uh, becomes sort of a central side character. Uh, Copeland's an interesting guy. He's like a uh, Sort of, um, he makes me think of like a, a right wing militia survivalist doomsday prepper type guy, kind of like, uh, he runs his own radio frequency. Uh, he calls it Radio Free Oregon. Uh, you're listening to Radio Free Oregon. Don't believe the lies. That's, that's, <laughs> he's like that conspiracy nut yes. type guy. Uh, but he's also an important part of the camp infrastructure as the, he's like the guy in charge of this little survival enclave where people live uh, safe from the freakers outside and uh, we we don't see the beginning of Deacon's relationship with Copeland but we, we can tell that they have a history they, they've definitely dealt with each other before and mm-hmm. uh, Deacon has found out that the bike that he stashed under some bushes and branches is gone <laughs> he he tracks yeah. it he tracks like some uh, he sees some markings on the ground he tracks them back to Copeland's camp so he realizes that motherfucker Copeland stole my bike. And so mm-hmm. there's some tension immediately between them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there, yeah, there's tension. Um, and Copeland basically is like, well, my guys didn't like, no, it was your bike. We wouldn't have taken it if we were known. It was, yeah, it was just lying. It was just lying there. What else were we supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and so Copeland is like, well, you know, here's the parts we do have. Some of it was already parted out. Sorry, guy. But, <laughs> You know, we can try to get you good parts, but we need you to work Uh for us. And Deacon, uh, of course, is pissed about this, but he also doesn't really have a choice. Uh, It's, okay, I can, you know, not do this, but uh, it doesn't really, it's not going to really work for him. And also, uh, earlier, Boozer had said, we need to get out of this uh, area. We've been here long enough. We should really just head north. And Deacon 
reluctantly kind of agreed. And he's like, all right, fine. We should, we should move mm-hmm. on. And so Deacon's kind of like, okay, if we can get Boozer's arm, right. If we can get my bike, right. We'll just head North. We'll be done with this shithole area and we'll start a, a new life somewhere else. So mm-hmm. that, that's sort of their uh, aim at this point in the right. game. And this, and the situation with Copeland, you know, kind of like uh, trading work for bike parts. That's uh that starts this major uh, central mechanic to the game where uh, you as the player playing as Deacon, you're constantly trying to upgrade and improve your motorcycle. And it's it's not just your average uh, chopper or hog that a, a outlaw biker would ride on. It's a it's an apocalypse you know it's an apocalypse special type bike. It's like part motorcycle, part dirt bike, where it's really specialized for off road travel. So it's sophisticated, and uh, you'll be spending a lot of the game, uh, you know, buying new upgrades for it to make it more fuel efficient, uh, easier to handle on uh, rough terrain, things like that. So that that kind of kickstarts that process too. But yeah, also. Deacon needs to get his bike together so that he can booze, he and Boozer can eventually leave and go north. Uh, but a, mm. another part of that is, um, you know, working with the camps. There's another camp nearby uh, called the Hot Springs Camp, run by uh, a tough old lady named Ada Tucker, and uh, she is a very no nonsense, very uh, doesn't take any BS type camp leader. In fact, Hot Springs Camp has a bit of a reputation in this game world, where if you live there. You're going to be worked. You're going to be working hard, breaking your back constantly to earn there. Now, I, I assume people mm-hmm. in Copeland's camp also earn their keep and they work hard, but at Hot Springs, Ada Tucker is basically like a slave driver. Uh, so it's not a fun time to live there. Yeah, it seems like if you're not uh, someone who can fight and is a soldier there, then then you're like right. a slave, basically. Yeah kind of thing so it, yeah not not a great spot the upside either. is though hot springs has a good armory so deacon's interest in hot springs is that if he works for them they can give him better guns so there's there's still a trade-off there no yeah there, there totally is i think that i forget the name of it but the machine gun i got there i used that for uh, that's where i first while. got the mws um, my uh, assault rifle i really liked so yeah, yeah, I used that for a large uh, portion of the game uh, after I got it here because it was pretty effective and I didn't actually have to spend that much money to get it since you got it so exactly. early in the game. Like yep. that was huge. Uh, but uh, t- Tucker, uh, as a con- as a consequence of running the type of camp that she runs, Ada Tucker is uh, always on the lookout for more people to recruit, uh, quote unquote recruit, uh, putting it generously uh, into her camp. Uh, what what she's really looking for is more labor, though. So she mm-hmm. gets word from her scouts that there's a a young lady, kind of barely older than a kid, living out on her own out in the wilderness, which is kind of unheard of. Like, it's been two years if someone is still living out there. Uh, kids don't usually last that long is basically the uh, subtext that's made clear there. Like, it's, 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 it's rare for a uh, young person or a teenager or a child to be found alive out in the, out in the shit, as they call it. So Tucker asks uh, Deacon to go find her, and he does. And it's a, y- a young lady named, named Lisa. When Deacon brings her back to, uh, to Hot Springs, Lisa doesn't really like it there. As we've established, it's not a friendly place. So, Yeah, so after some time there, like Deacon tries to check in on her, and she doesn't like it. So ultimately, on a work detail, Lisa ends up getting captured by a ripper, and Deacon has to go and rescue Lisa from the Rippers. Not not a great spot for Lisa. She's uh, you know super distressed mm-hmm. by this, 
and it's like I can't go back to Hot Springs like I, I can't go back there don't make me go back and Deacon is like I can't like just leave you in the shit though either right. and so Deacon makes a call he uh, gives a call to Ricky who is from a camp called Lost Lake and Deacon says hey can you please meet me I have someone to bring to you um, you know I don't expect to get paid for this or anything but like right. they need help and so Ricky comes Deacon and her mm-hmm. clearly have a history and there's not like um animosity exactly but they're not um particularly friendly either right. I would say but she decides to take Lisa she recognizes Lisa's just a kid she doesn't you know I don't know she just got captured by rippers and she doesn't deserve to be like screwed exactly. over so Ricky agrees to take Lisa to Lost Lake and uh, I guess at this point too to kind of uh, pull these camps together so we've learned in these camps there are a couple different things that you can do sort of as your side activities in the game so we did um, a bounty example in some sense when we found Lisa it's a little different because it's not uh, chasing down someone who stole supplies Mm -hmm. like Leon but it's still searching for a person uh we also learned about Burning Freaker Nest. We also uh, have fought uh, like marauders who are just around at times, and so we have to take them out. I'm trying to think of what else our early uh, task. Yeah, that do. mostly sums up the early game side activities, like uh, clearing out ambush camps full of uh, like human enemies. Uh, that's that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Freaker Nests, bounties. That's what Deacon uh, sort of occupies himself with early on while he's getting uh, his bike and Boozer ready to travel. And uh, Lisa's, uh, the situation with Lisa, Copeland, Tucker, that all kind of works into the framework of uh, the early game as well. Yeah. That these are these are places where you get like bits of story. You upgrade mm-hmm. your equipment and you have tasks right. to. And do the entire time you're you're earning you're earning basically cash, but it's called camp credits. You're you're just building up resources. Like you're building up access to better bike parts. You're building up access to better guns. Uh, you're collecting freaker mm-hmm. ears that you sell for uh, camp credits, and you're also building trust with the camps, which kind of unlocks better upgrades. So uh, everything everything that's happening is kind of building Deacon toward. Uh, progression like a progression toward uh the later levels yeah totally i like that a lot about uh the trust that Mm -hmm. you build in the camp and then it affects what they sell you so i I really like that especially like at hot springs when you first go there and then once you have enough trust they'll sell you better weapons because to me that made a lot of sense if they don't trust you like they're not going to sell you like the best weapon in the you know in the camp or whatever, but like, hey, we've got these weapons right. for you, kind of yeah. thing. So I, I I thought that was a cool um mechanic. Or yeah, a good it idea. felt pretty natural. It it felt uh, believable to that kind of situation. Like you know, in a in a post apocalypse, it's like uh, th- there's no money really. There's no central currency, so it's more like, what can you do for me tangibly? What can you what can you pitch mm-hmm. in? Because it's all communal. It's like either. You're uh, helping each other or you're hurting each other. There's no really no middle ground. So I thought that was pretty cool. Good system. But mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, I guess from here we did want to pause. We've mentioned the side activities a little bit, but uh, wanted to talk about what our favorite side activities are. So uh, what kind of, of these were your kind of favorite? Uh, yeah, I got to say I just really enjoyed motorcycle chases. Um, the way you handle the drifter bike in the game and, like, just sort of tracking someone and, chasing them down and uh 
you know, firing from the from behind the handlebars. It's really cool. So that was that's always a fun uh, fun activity. But I think my favorite though uh, is just tracking down and burning freaker nests because uh, that was like the most immersive activity for me. It's like I'm actually living in this world where if I want to travel through the wilderness safely, it helps to get rid of these hazards on the road. And a lot of a lot of the hazards are mm-hmm. like, hey, there's an old barn over there full of freakers, and if I chuck a Molotov into it, it'll be a little safer to uh, come through here later. So, I, I like that immersive quality of I'm just gonna walk up, burn this place down, and then uh, s- take a few steps back and just be ready to shoot anything that comes out. And that was always pretty fun for me. So, that, uh, burning freaker nests was one of my favorite things to do early on. Yeah, I thought that was really satisfying. There was something really satisfying about, like, once you cleared a zone, too. So it's like, oh, cool, I cleared the five in this area. Now I can um, fast exactly. travel through this area right. if I wanted to later. Or or, or even just knowing that, like, you're not going to get surprised by a ton of Right, it cuts down the population. Kind of like, and that. you feel like you've actually made a tangible impact on the game world. Like you mentioned, this, the like, that's only possible if the route is safe. So I like that. It's like you make the game a little simpler for yourself and you kind of free yourself up more when you do activities like that. Yeah, I was really glad I got into clearing all of these early on because later on in the game, there were times where it was like, it's easier oh, yeah. to just fast travel this part. And I was really glad I, clear- I cleared my way because there were some parts in the game where it was like, okay, you got to go to one end of the map to the next one. So it was really helpful to just be able to uh-huh. fast travel those sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was great. For me, my favorite was uh, going through the ambush camps of the Marauders. I liked, um, they're, they're all very the same. Uh, they always have, I don't know, 10 to 15 guys at them. Deacon will realize it's an amb- ambush camp, and he gets angry, and he's like, fucking ambushing drifters? Uh-huh. How about this? Right. How about you get ambushed? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, So he always has this kind of same line of anger, but... I found it really satisfying, especially when you were able to stay covert as long as possible. Like, there was one where I, I think I might have killed like 10 of the 15 people in one area. Like, I'd hit one with an arrow, another guy would be like, oh, there's a body. He'd come and look, and then I'd kill him, and it just kept Uh. happening. And so at the end, there was just like a pile of bodies in one spot, and it felt so satisfying that I didn't like blow my cover. They're like, oh my god, someone's here dead oh my god someone's here yeah and I, I did like how deacon would sort of like uh display his animosity it was like you assholes give drifters like me a bad name like when you when you ambush people on the road so uh you're you're, you're dead you're all you're all fucked now i'm gonna kill you all so uh it was cool like kind of getting that uh insight into his mind i like that yeah yeah his uh yeah, righteous definitely. anger almost kind of thing which was cool I like that. Uh, Zombie Guts on Twitter said, Hordes were my favorite all the way. I think that is largely due to the fact that I felt like I was working towards this the whole game. Nearly every upgrade, be it perk, weapon, Nero injector, crafting recipe, uh, recipe it felt like I was moving one step closer to 100% agree. Like, if I'm just talking about my early game favorite activities, yeah, I'll st- uh, burning freaker nests and motorcycle chases, sure, but... Uh, the horde combat as like an end game uh, gameplay mechanic it's amazing that's what really foundationally makes this game what it is so that's a great answer Mm mhm 
Yeah, I thought that was. In fact, Adam on Twitter played. agrees. Hordes were definitely my favorite, and Sabrina on Twitter adds horde clearing. So uh, everyone loves killing hordes in this game. I, that's like the that's a really big selling point of Days Gone is when you make yourself stronger gradually to the point where you can take on hundreds of freakers at a time and just wipe them out. Thousands mm-hmm. even. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah, super cool. And then uh, lastly, Nikki on Twitter says, bounties, especially the bike chase one, bike chase, chase ones. Also, infection zone clearing, but fuck crows, <laughs> I hate those fuckers. That's also a great point. There, there's all kinds of infected animals in the game that we haven't mentioned yet, but uh, there's like infected wolves, infected bears. Uh, but yeah, infected crows are the worst. I think they're called criers in the game, and they just like swarm you, and they suck. Uh, all, all you can really do is burn their nests that are like up in trees and uh, light, uh, uh, electric lamp posts, things like that. Uh, yeah, I agree. They suck. <laughs> Fuck those things. Oh, yeah. I hate them. When they got introduced later in the game, I was like, they make me so mad because yeah. they're so stupid. Like, they don't even... <laughs> oh, man. They got Absolutely. me very angry <laughs> at times. But yeah, good stuff. Great answers. Yeah, yeah. Great answers. So, uh, other kind of early game um, stuff, I guess, that happens that sets the story is Deacon also in this time sees a Nero mm-hmm. helicopter fly overhead, uh, which was remarkable. You know, no one's seen a helicopter in two years. What the fuck? Like, the world's over, isn't it? Right. Um, and so <laughs> Deacon Deacon follows it, uh, and he ends up picking up a walkie-talkie that the Nero uh, agents drop. And so when the Nero agents are out there, they... Uh, get out of the helicopter and they've got these like big ass hazmat suits you know big guns official looking and they're researching the freakers so pretty pretty weird to kind right. of see this going like on. no no one's heard of nero in in almost two years and no one's seen a helicopter in that long and suddenly they just appear again and deacon's like what the hell is going on so it, it's definitely uh that's a big twist that happens early on where it's like oh Okay, something new is boiling. Something there's trouble afoot. So, uh, yeah, mm. they're still here, even like, uh, and 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 you almost sense that Deacon like is like, wait, am I seeing a helicopter? And when he kind of mentions they don't it believe to him. other people, right? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. He's, he's not sure if he's just going crazy <laughs> or not, or if that actually happened. So, yeah, uh, which it sets for a cool, um, I don't know plot Mm. that's going in there and so uh, with the walkie-talkie deacon's just kind of using that to track nero okay what's going on maybe i'll be able to meet up with them and on the walkie he hears o'brien on the radio and so he goes to follow o'brien to his last location he's like what the fuck the guy i left sarah with he's alive still um because actually also in this time we've learned that the camp that sarah was at had been overrun, everyone's dead there, so Deacon assumes that Sarah also died in that time. Um, he has a rock that like right. memorializes her there and is like, obviously she didn't escape, yeah. everyone at this camp is dead kind of thing. So to know that O'Brien is alive, he's like, wait a minute, what? Maybe she's not dead? I'm, she's probably right, dead. Right, but, but he just kind of makes that connection, like if O'Brien's still alive, maybe he knows something about what happened to Sarah. Like, it's just it's a lead that he can't not 
he can't ignore. So like he has to track it down and uh, get answers. But yeah, he has been spending nearly two years trying to come to terms with uh, losing Sarah. Like all indications point to she was killed at that camp along with everyone else. So like he's been trying to move on ever since, and uh, not uh, not really succeeding at it so far. Uh, so yeah, that's that's his next um, that's his next mission is to track down O'Brien and find out what happened to Sarah. But that leads us into some flashbacks. Actually, we we get we get sent backwards to before the apocalypse and back to when Deacon and Sarah first met. Very romantic comedy movie type uh, situation where uh, Sarah is like you know on her way to her new job oh, yeah. out in the uh, out in the uh, farewell wilderness and. Uh, her truck breaks down. Deacon drives up on his on his chopper, and you know, like, hey, need a ride? And it it, it just it gets so cute and, <laughs> and uh, adorable. From there, uh, we see another flashback of Sarah gathering for her research, and she shows Deacon how to use it for medicine, specifically to treat burns, which uh, back in the present is really useful for uh, Deacon who wants to help uh, Boozer with his burnt arm. And, uh, yeah, we, we just get this mm-hmm. whole picture of their life together before it all went wrong, where they get engaged and, you know, we get all these clues that, uh, both of their respective families didn't really approve. Like Deacon's gang, uh, the rest of the mongrels, they were not sold on Sarah. She doesn't really understand quote unquote, the life. <laughs> she's not a, uh, she's not a biker groupie necessarily. And of course, Sarah's mm-hmm. family, not happy at all. <laughs> they see Deacon as a... They see Deacon as a complete scumbag <laughs> and loser, and so uh, they kind of just only have themselves. Uh, but of course, Boozer is a ride or die. He's he's Deacon, Deacon's brother, so uh, he loves Sarah. He's like uh, she's like his little sister. So we 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 get this really nice little tapestry of uh, what they had and what they were able to enjoy and cherish before uh, the infection came along. And yeah, yeah. I, I I thought that was really cool. Just seeing mm-hmm. what their life was before this, and and seeing that they want to each make sacrifices right. for each other. That they're committed uh, to their relationship. Deacon goes nomad, uh, which means basically that he's still in the mongrels, but he's um more of a side player at that point. That he maybe isn't as involved with regular right. activities with the bike gang, in hopes of that maybe making things more palatable for Sarah's family. And then Sarah on the other side is like, if they don't like you, it doesn't matter. Mm. I like you, and that's all that matters. Um, and so kind of cool seeing that. And uh, I guess the last big flashback that matters is yeah. we get to see Deacon and Sarah get married. And <laughs> Boozer's the only one who what came a guy. for either, <sighs> what either side. What an awesome dude. I love uh, him. It, yeah, that, that made me uh, big on oh, Team Boozer sure. seeing that. For I was sure. like, you're a good dude. You're a good dude. You weren't just like a guy who was in the MC with Deacon, right. but like you're really there. You really care about him. Um, and I thought that was really cool. So those are some flashbacks to get some of their relationship from uh, here. We pick back up with Boozer uh, in the present day, and yeah. <laughs> Boozer is fucked up. His arm is infected. It, it's really fucking him up. 
and he's been sort of unreasonable at this point too. He's like, I don't need to see, I don't need to do this for right. my arm. I'll walk I'll it off. I'll be fine. Leave me it. alone. Like, he, he's um, also like hallucinating a bit. He, he almost shoots uh, Deacon at one point, thinking he's like uh, an intruder. He he's not in his right mind. He's not doing well at all. So Deacon decides the only uh, the only option left is to go down to the Lost Lake camp and sneak in and steal their medicine, uh, which is the only option because he can't walk through the front door because something bad went down between him and Lost Lake leadership in the past, and he's not exactly welcome there anymore. So that's what he decides that he he has to do. And he, you know, makes the attempt. He sneaks in, but he gets caught, and uh, he has to sort of come clean, like, hey, look, it's because Boozer is really, really in very bad shape, and uh, he needs help. So luckily the hatchet is buried, uh... Deacon and Boozer are welcomed back into the camp, and uh, Boozer is given the treatment he needs. And we're basically introduced to sort of a... I would call this... I would kind of consider this a second act of the game, where uh, Lost Lake is kind of the new hub. It's kind of like uh, Deacon's new home base, more or less, and where a lot of the next activities happen. Uh, And we get introduced to some of the major players at Lost Lake. Yeah, so uh, Lost Lake is led by a guy named Iron Mike. He's uh, this older guy who is really tough and, like, a badass, but also has kind of a view that, like, Mm -hmm. society can be rebuilt. If we be good, if we have laws, if we, you know, uh, try to recreate society, it will work. We don't have to be monsters because the world's monstrous. Like, that. that's sort of his outlook. And so he's trying to lead this camp. He's got a he's got a good camp, and it's pretty different from the ones we've seen before. Is it, it does seem um, I don't know more similar to I, I guess society pre apocalypse uh, in that like you know there's farming that people um, everyone has a job, but right. it's not like co-forced. right. It's pretty organized. It's not as uh, you know slapdash as Copeland's camp. It's not as uh, abusive as uh, Hot Springs camp. It's it's definitely influenced by Iron Mike's ideals of we're going to bring order and uh, peace and community back to the world. So you can see that in action, which is pretty cool. Your other kind of key players at Lost Lake are Ricky, who we met earlier. She uh, is like a mechanic. She's, uh, she seems to be sort of a deacon-type role for this camp in a lot of ways. And then you've got Addie, who is Ricky's girlfriend and also the doctor uh, at Lost Lake Camp. I, I think she used to be uh, a vet or maybe some other medical thing pre-apocalypse, and so now she's the one there, and she's cool. And then lastly, we've got Schizo, who is kind of a <laughs> yeah. douchebag, and uh, yeah, and he... Uh, at times feels like Malibu's most wanted. Oh yeah, uh, exactly. Kennedy. That's that's precisely the vibe I got from him. Yeah, he feels a bit like that. He's their head of security, and he's he, you know he wears a basketball jersey and like uh-huh. talk. Yeah, he acts like a gangster, even though like he doesn't want everyone else to know that his real name is Raymond, and he he went to like a prep school before the apocalypse. Like, he's not he's not what he claims to be at all. He's not a tough guy. Um, and it's like as soon as he's introduced, it's it's very on the nose like don't trust this guy it's very much an obvious uh treacherous character um 
but that that does unfold pretty organically later on. But we'll we'll get into that. But yeah, it's yeah, Ricky, Addie, Schizo are kind of the main characters of the camp. But um, we, we're introduced to sort of a, a central conflict, not only for Lost Lake Camp, but for the entire region, really. And Iron Mike points this out to Deacon. Is the fact that there are massive, gigantic herds, like kind of migratory groups, of of freakers mm-hmm. moving to and fro on the uh, the mountain passes up the main roads, and they seem to be hibernating in the tunnels. So Mike sort of points out to Deacon, this problem is not just you know a cluster or two of freakers here and there setting up nests. It's bigger than that. And if we ever want to mm-hmm. expand our territory, you know, expand camps, like keep more people safe, we're going to need to deal with these gigantic hordes of freakers at some point. So you're kind of introduced to hordes at that part of the game. There's this plan to blow up the tunnels to keep the freakers from migrating and to just uh, destroy their nests. But in order to put that into uh, into action, in order to put that into action, uh, Deacon has to help out Lost Lake. Uh, in a lot of ways, like find explosives, find a detonator, and all this other stuff. But before he can even do that, we need to address uh, Boozer's arm. <laughs> and so Deacon steals some uh, antibiotics from a Ripper camp based on info that Schizo gave him. Schizo proved useful for once there. And uh, so Boozer mm-hmm. is stabilized, but unfortunately his arm has to be amputated. It's just too far gone. It was burned too badly, too infected. So sadly, Boozer loses the arm, but luckily... He survives the process thanks to the medication Deacon found. So Boozer's okay. He's he's missing yeah. an arm, but he he pulls through, which is good news. Yeah, definitely good news there. Uh, also, also, actually, something interesting with Iron Mike is he has a truce. Lost Lake has a truce oh, with right. the Rippers, yeah. which which is crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, they're totally batshit, and the Rippers are like, hey. Don't come in our area. It's cool. If you come in our area, we'll kill right. you. Um, and Iron Mike's like, cool, we can coexist. We'll just be separate kind of thing. So Iron Mike, again, has a pretty different outlook than Hot Springs or Copeland's camp. They don't they do not do shit like that. Like, they would fight rippers if they saw them. So Deacon uh, sneaking into their camp to steal uh, the antibiotics has... Uh, not fractured things, but it's heated the relationship up. A has it? Truce is uh very tenuous right now. Yeah, hundred percent. So from there, Deacon goes with Ricky to a hydroelectric jam- dam to restore some power to Lost Lake Camp. Again, this is kind of continuing Deacon's role as uh being someone who's helping build Lost Lake Camp up. Um. Similar to Copeland with the bike, trying to get parts for that. Deacon is doing kind of the same thing here, except it's for the meds, for Boozer's arm, for the care, for mm-hmm. letting them stay there. So while they're there, they get the dam going. That's good. However, Rippers show up and they have to fight them. Uh, and this is the first time that anyone besides Deacon has had to fight Rippers in a while. Like, you know, Ricky's never fought Rippers before this, or, you know, the truce is held. But, uh, you know, now this is looking a little more questionable. Right. Why were they here? You know, that sort of stuff. Oh, alongside this, uh, Deacon and Schizo are pursuing uh, the ambition 
of, uh, you know, blowing up, blowing up some stuff to be able to make the freaker travel paths less likely. Uh, they go into a mine to get dynamite, and uh, this is pretty intense. Yes, it's scary definitely. down there. Like, it, <laughs> it's dark. You can hear freakers, but you can't see yeah, them. Creepy stuff. And that's also a point where uh, Deacon and Schizo actually bond a little bit. They uh, sort of worked. They they put together a uh, tenuous uh, working relationship where they're not at each other's throats. They're just trying to get something done, and they actually find some common ground. They they sort of agree that like. Oh man, uh, I would never leave someone to be, you know, eaten alive by the freakers. That's like the worst way to go, and or things like that. Like Deacon's, I think in his actual journal, like in the mission log, he says something along the lines of, uh, "It's good to know Schizo and I have that in common. Like we both at least have that line that we don't cross, and we have that uh, in common with each other." So you you get a moment where Schizo isn't a complete piece of shit, and uh, Deacon and he uh, get along, um, but unfortunately that doesn't last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there, there was that glimmer of hope. Yeah, maybe, like, he's, not so right, bad, maybe yeah. he's not the worst. But um, while that's while that's happening, unfortunately, <laughs> Bruiser, uh, you know, having lost his arm, uh, is again not in great shape. He's he's getting kind of depressed. He, you know, wanders off, leaves the camp. He he feels kind of purposeless. He feels a little useless um, without his arm. And uh, Deacon decides, hey, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring him along with me for a, a, a supply run or some kind of errand he's on. But Boozer wanders off. He sort of just goes off on his own. And he comes across a group of rippers who are in the process of killing a bunch of dogs. Healthy, healthy, wild, uninfected dogs that you and I would be happy to make our pets and their rippers are just butchering them. Of, of course, as any sane person mm-hmm. would do, Boozer completely goes off and he... Uh, he uh, runs out and just goes uh, Rambo on the Rippers and kills them all. He try, uh, or starts fighting them at least. And Deacon, being the brother that he is, dives in and uh, kills Rippers right alongside him. So uh, they have a very cathartic moment of killing Rippers together. Uh, like we talked about earlier, kind of uh, even further breaking the truce that Lost Lake has with the Rippers. But they don't care. They don't care at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the process... Boozer rescues a puppy that he adopts, and uh, he has a little little furry friend now. So uh, he fights through a bit of a an, ex- an existential crisis and some depressive episode that uh, Deacon tries to help him deal with. So it's a nice little uh, character building moment for the two of them, kind of a bonding moment, um, and uh, it's good. But uh, unfortunately, the good times don't last <laughs> because later. Deacon and Schizo, uh, they hatch a plan to sneak into a Ripper camp uh, to get the detonator for the di- the dynamite that they found. And they they find it. They get there. Everything's going swimmingly. Everything's going great. Uh, but then uh, Schizo betrays Deacon, uh, sells him out, and Deacon gets captured by the Rippers. Schizo basically explains, uh, the Rippers made me a deal. If I gave them, you and Boozer, they would leave Lost Lake alone. So... This asshole schizo <laughs> kind of like justifies it, rationalizes it. Like I'm protecting Lost Lake by doing this. It's nothing personal. Sorry. See ya. Have fun getting tortured by the Rippers. Yeah. Oh man, I was so pissed at schizo <laughs> yeah. at this point. Um, Son of a bitch. Especially because on this run, I was like, okay, maybe he's okay. Right. Like, there was there were there were some moments where you're like, all right, maybe schizo's not the worst. Yeah, you're just starting to come around on, like, hey, maybe there's hope for this guy. And then, bam. <laughs> yeah, then you're sold out, and you're like, that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
so yeah, Skiz is a bitch for sure. <laughs> for the record. Um, you get sold out, and so Deacon then at this point is captured by the Rippers, and they've got him chained up where he's got his arms uh, like spread longwise out uh, on some chains. And the leader of the Rippers is a guy named Carlos, and he's there to torture Deacon. And the reveal is that Carlos actually used to be in Deacon's gang. He's a former mongrel, but he was kicked out of the gang. Uh, He did something shitty. They kicked him out and they tortured him. Uh, when they kicked him out, making him like remove his tattoos. Right. It's it's kind of common. Well, I'm not an expert, but I assume that uh, part of being in an outlaw motorcycle gang is that if you leave the, you only leave the club by dying. Ideally, that's the only way out, really. Right. But if you get excommunicated or kicked out of a mongrel, sorry, of a outlaw motorcycle gang like the mongrels, you can't leave and keep your tattoos, like the the ink that makes you a part of the club. Uh, so they, when Carlos, back then he was known as Jesse Williamson, when he was kicked out of the mongrels, uh, Deacon, Boozer, and the rest of the gang, they all held him down and they torched off his tattoos because uh, he mm-hmm. was being kicked out of the club. And that that reveal tells you, oh shit, Carlos has had it out for Boozer and Deacon this whole time because of the past that they have, to, the, the past that they share together. And that's part of the motivation for the attack on Boozer at the beginning of the game. Uh, you know, at, the, at first you think, oh, this is just rippers being rippers. This is just what they do. They torture people with a blowtorch. Uh, it was more than that, though. It was a targeted attack on the other former mongrels, uh, Deacon and Boozer, uh, to mm-hmm. torture them the way Jesse was tortured, the way Carlos uh, experienced it. So that's a, that's, a big, that's a big twist. That's a big reveal. It kind of tells you, um, even in this world, your past can catch up to you. And it definitely catches up to Deacon there. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. And 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 Jesse is clearly, you know, like going from a guy who used to be a mongrel to an insane cult leader. Mm-hmm. Still, at, you know, he still cares about this two years right. later. <laughs> yeah, it's messy. So so Deacon loses like one of the tattoos on his arms. He gets like a really bad burn. Luckily, not as bad as Boozer uh, had, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he gets uh, torched pretty badly. Luckily, uh, Lisa shows up. Well, not so luckily because she's a ripper now. Uh, it's it's a it's crazy. I, I I think at some point back in the game, it's uh, mentioned that oh, Lisa disappeared from Lost Lake. No one knows where she went. And uh, this is when you find out oh, she was recaptured by the Rippers and they turned her into one of them. She's bald now. All of her hair is gone. She has a lot of the mm-hmm. scars that they put on their you know scalp and their face and whatnot. And she's a ripper now. And she explains that part of the Ripper philosophy is that they worship the Freakers because the Freakers, because of the infection that they have, because of the mutation, they don't remember what they were. They have become something else. They have completely transformed. And the Rippers respect that. The Rippers admire that. And that's why they transform themselves with the scarring and the the psychotic torture. They want to disengage from the world. And the way they do that is by just ritualistically, you know, butchering themselves, torturing themselves, torturing each other, turning other people into rippers the same way, almost like trying to emulate the freakers. And Lisa sort of like understands all that now, and she's you know kind of says things along the lines of, "I, I wish I could just forget what I was. I just w- I wish I could just 
completely obliviate all that I remember and all that I've experienced, like the Rippers, or sorry, like the Freakers do. Uh, which is, it's fucking scary as hell. <laughs> like, she's being, like, mm-hmm. super creepy and uh, espousing a lot of uh, really interesting perspectives on the Rippers and why they are the way they are. But luckily, she is still enough of herself, like, enough of herself remains where she takes pity on Deacon and helps him escape. So he manages to get out of the clutches of Carlos and his cult and uh, try to make his way back to Lost Lake. Yeah. And on uh, Deacon's way back to Lost Lake, uh, the Rippers are attacking. It's pretty chaotic. Like, you know, regular Lost Lake people are just Mm -hmm. getting gunned down. Buildings are being burned. It's pretty crazy. Um, Deacon makes his way into uh, kind of the Great Hall, so to speak. And Iron Mike is uh, held up with Carlos. Uh, They've got Boozer. Schizo's there. Uh, You know, everyone's got guns pointed at each other. And Iron Mike is able to broker a truce, basically, um, and says, you know, you can either accept this truce, we're going to be done, you don't get Deacon, you don't get Boozer, or we can all die right now. And Carlos is like, all right, fine, we don't all have to die right now. Um, and so that doesn't happen. The Rippers just leave, and Schizo goes into yes, lockup. He is, he is exposed uh, as the traitor, but, uh, and he's locked away. Oh, like, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm glad that uh, that that happened. But at this point, too, Deacon is like, "All right, fuck this. I'm not dealing with Rippers anymore. I'm ending this." Boozer, you ready to end shit? Also, did you recognize Carlos? Yeah, it's that uh-huh. bitch Jesse. Like, um, <laughs> and so they come up with a, a pretty elaborate plan to wreck the Rippers, which is. They're going to go to the dam that's nearby, the dynamite we were going to use to, you know, stop the hordes from coming in. Instead, we're going to use that to blow this dam up and just flood out the rippers, uh, which they do successfully. You get a pretty fun sniper mission on this because uh, you steal Schizo's uh-huh. sniper rifle. So Boozer sets charges. You shoot rippers at, from a sniping position. That's pretty fun. Um, Very cool. Blow the dam flood out the rippers uh their camp is just underwater you know probably 80 or 90 percent of them just get killed Mm -hmm. in the flood yeah and they're completely uh thrown into absolute chaos and disorder uh so uh deacon and boozer have the advantage and they basically just want launch a two-man assault on the remnants of the ripper compound and fight their way in and deacon has a really cool really badass final showdown with carlos uh it's a mono we mono mm-hmm. battle kind of comes down to a knife fight you know two former bikers uh just shedding blood uh deacon manages to get the upper hand and kills carlos kind of uh closing the circle of vengeance there and uh kind of bringing a cl- the, the rippers more or less cease to exist as an organization after that yeah they're, they're done and um I really like Deacon being like, fuck this. We're not dealing right. with them anymore. It just gets rid of yeah. all of them. Like, I felt like that was such a good, like, power move by Deacon. And, like, was like, no, nah, this bad yeah, faction's yeah. gone. Iron Mike is, you know, classic Mike, always making those deals and, you know, saving lives, which is definitely admirable. He, you know, 
defused the situation at Lost Lake and saved a lot of lives there. But Deacon and Boozer know that uh, it's only a matter of time before it goes rotten again. So they decide, let's end the threat here and now. So they're the type of people who will just do what needs to be done. And, you know, Mike obviously wouldn't approve. Um, but uh, you can't argue with the results. Rippers are gone. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, and I feel like that's where Mike's left in this is like, God damn it, you uh, shouldn't have done it, but I guess I'm glad there's right. not Rippers. <laughs> but yeah, that that basically closes a chapter more or less where uh, where Lost Lake is kind of safe for the time being. Um, Boozer, Boozer's mm-hmm. healthy more or less. He's you know back on his feet. Uh, Lost Lake has power again thanks to Deacon and Ricky uh, rigging the uh, dam to work again. Uh, the Rippers are gone. And Deacon feels like, you know what, I've done everything I can here. I need to uh, move on and uh, keep pursuing that lead I have to find out about Sarah. So that's that's kind of his next phase. He's done what he can for Lost Lake, and he needs to uh, keep working on uh, the reason he has to uh, keep going right now. Yes. Alongside this time, as he's been... Uh, doing runs and stuff for Lost Lake. He's been in contact with O'Brien mm-hmm, and talking right. with O'Brien. Um, the main broker of their deal is O'Brien says, hey, I'll find out info about Sarah, but I need you to spy on other Nero agents. So you get a couple times of going to other helicopters going somewhere. You hide nearby them and capture their reports so that O'Brien mm-hmm. has them. Um As you do this, O'Brien finds out that Sarah was actually taken to a different camp than the one that Deacon had thought. Uh, It wasn't the one that overran. When the helicopter presumably wanted to go to that camp, they couldn't go because it was already overrun, so they went to a different one. So Sarah's chopper, yeah, was basically rerouted to somewhere else that was kind of uh, south of Lost Lake, but... Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that lead uh, leads Deacon to uh, an area he can't really reach because he doesn't know a way over the mountains to go south to where that camp is. So um, he has to turn to Iron Mike for help, and Mike tells him about a mountain pass he can take, and um, off Deacon goes. He kind of leaves Lost Lake behind, and he crosses this mountain range. Uh, there's this really cool montage of him uh, sort of struggling uphill with his with his motorcycle and uh braving the uh blizzard and uh just crossing this mountain because uh, otherwise he would have just taken the tunnel but the tunnel's like there's a blocked off tunnel that he can't use so that was the only way mm-hmm. um but yeah he's he's on the trail of this kind of rumor or or this secondhand information from O'Brien like hey your wife didn't go to the camp that you thought uh she was actually taken to this other one so He's chasing this uh, ghost of a chance that maybe he'll find some trace of her there. But after crossing mm-hmm. the mountains, he he come he uh, doesn't find Sarah right away. He does find other people though, people who uh, claim to be soldiers of something called the Deschutes County Militia. Uh, th- it's kind of a paramilitary organization. It's part survivor enclave, part army, uh, and they are an organized uh, outfit. They they have ranks. They have uh, a command structure. They're not just a. They're not just your average group of bandits or whatever. So, Deacon comes across them and he helps them kill uh, a very large, very angry, infected bear <laughs> called a called a berserker. 
and um, mm-hmm. he sort of thinks, hey, maybe these guys might have some information. Uh, I'll uh, see where this goes. Yes. So uh, this leads to him getting introduced to the Diamond Lake Outpost, which is uh, the camp these soldiers were from. They vouch for him uh, and be like, he killed the infected mm-hmm. bear. You should uh, <laughs> you should help this guy out, even if it's just let him sleep here for the day, give him some food, and he can carry on if that's what he wants. And when we're there, uh, we meet the leader of this camp, which is a guy named Captain Corey. Um and Captain Corey explains that this is actually a smaller outpost for the larger Deschutes County militia. They've got a big thing going. And we, we see that the organization, firepower, manpower, all of that over here on uh, this side of the mountain is way different. Um, you know, like they've burned out a lot of the forest so that freakers can't make mm-hmm. their nests there so that you can see them when they come. Like it, it's... um far more organized and efficient than anything we've ever seen. Right. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a veritable fortress uh Deacon finds on um the main base of the militia is on Wizard Island and it's it's actually it's a really stunning sight when you first see it in the game. It's like this very heavily built up wooden fortress uh on 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 this uh on this uh piece of land in the middle of this big crater and uh it's it seems very well defended. There's like supply lines established. It's yeah, like you said, it's down to a science. They have it down. They have it to a T when it comes to uh, surviving uh, the freakers outside. They they've uh, really got their shit together. And Deacon comes in and he's like, "Oh, hey, this is cool. This is not what I expected to find." Um, but he's introduced. Uh, Captain Corey sort of shows him the ropes. Important side note, when he meets Captain Corey, who's a, you know, a leader in the militia, he notices that this captain is wearing the mongrel's ring that Deacon originally gave to Sarah. Bum, bum, bum. And it's just sort of like, there, you can you can see the look on Deacon's face. And it's like, um, how the fuck did you get that? I'm about to kill you right now. Like he, He's like barely restraining mm-hmm. himself from just beating the shit out of Corey right now. And like, where did you get that ring? He's like, I got it. I got it. Honestly, I was surprised to find himself there. That's not really like him. He's he's a, he's generally a pretty impulsive guy. So I was like oddly proud of him that he uh, kept himself in check there. He's like, I gotta keep cool. I gotta you know play this low key, figure out what's happening here. Um, luckily, he manages that, and he's actually in, like kind of inducted into the militia. He's even given a rank. He's made a corporal, uh, and um, they're mm-hmm. like, hey, yeah, welcome, earn your keep, and. Uh, You'll get along fine. He meets the leader of the militia, guy uh, calling himself Colonel Garrett. Um, seems like, at first glance, a uh, you know very typical military type. He's buttoned up. He's serious. He's uh, dedicated to the job. But we later find out he's like kind of a religious nut. <laughs> he's kind of a wacko who thinks like it's his divine mission to sweep the earth clean <laughs> of uh, of the infected and. Uh, He's kind of lost his marbles, but more on that later. Yeah. Yeah. At your first meeting of him, he's like, yeah, military commander. You're like, oh, man, some like a real military leader. It feels that way. But then as he's talking with Deacon, as you get to know him, he's like, you know, the apocalypse was always coming. And so, you know, this is Noah's Ark. We're going to, you know, be the thing that survives humanity. And you're you're starting (laughs) to be like, all right, I don't know about this Uh guy. Like, (laughs) 
Yeah, you're a little less sure. And so in his introductions to the camp, he says, I'm going to show you our main officers, our couple key officers below me. You're going to do runs for them. You're clearly good at things. Uh, so Deacon doesn't just have to be a foot soldier. He's getting a real job. So first up, he meets a guy by the name of Dr. Jimenez. He's the medical doctor there. Uh, cool guy, pretty friendly. Um, and he fixes Deacon's arm up a little bit and will, you know, continue fixing it up as it goes. Next up, he meets a guy named James Weaver, who is in charge of (laughs) blowing shit up. Basically, he's (laughs) he's kind of your demolition man. And so he's like, you know, trying to provide chemicals that can just blow up a lot of freakers at once. That's sort of his aim. And then lastly, there is the Wizard Island Witch to meet. And Deacon meets and it's (laughs) Sarah. She's alive. It's oh she lives. Man, what a reveal! It's it's kind of teased early on. Like yeah, as soon as Deacon arrives, it's like oh wait till you meet the Wizard Island Witch. Like this this person who's only mentioned and alluded to is like oh she has a reputation as uh, being really standoffish and hard to work with. And Deacon's like oh I can't wait. Sounds like a really uh, lovely person to work with. But he meets yeah it's Sarah his wife who he's been looking for this whole time that he thought was dead. And it's such an awkward mm-hmm. reunion between the two of them. They're suddenly just thrown into a room together. And they both know they have to act like they don't know each other. Because, uh, like, there's, you know... Right. There are entanglements with this militia that they're now a, they're both a part of. And they have to act like, oh, we're meeting for the first time. She thought he was dead. He thought she was dead. Uh, he was... <laughs> and so it's a very uncomfortable moment for them both. Um but later when they get a chance to uh, talk privately, um, he's, you know, obviously overjoyed to see her again and, you know, vice versa. She's likewise uh, happy to see him, um, just not believing that she that he's still alive. It's a crazy uh, miracle for them both. But she tells him, I'm staying. I can't just leave with you. I know you came here to get me, but I'm, I can't leave because the work I'm doing here is important. You know, before the apocalypse, she was kind of a biological researcher. She was a biologist. She was a botanist. She she, she did a lot of uh, really hard science, really heavy scientific work, and uh, she's hoping to continue that work here with the militia. She's hoping that something she can do might eventually help cure the infection, save the world. So she makes it clear she's not just going to leave right away with him. So Deacon has no choice but to stick around and uh, help her out. Yeah, which uh, was interesting. Deacon obviously was not expecting that. That he thought, you know, Sarah would just get on right. his motorcycle and they like, like old times. And so he's like, okay. So they've got to stay here. So from here, Deacon is, uh, I would say, put into a similar state as with the previous camps we've been in with Sarah and the military. But his kind of aim being is, okay, cool. I'm going to do this shit, and ultimately Sarah's going to get what she wants, and then we'll be able to leave. So I'll do this for the time being. One of the big things that happens here is they do a run, uh, and Sarah comes with him, and they go to her old lab Mm -hmm. that she used to work at. And they get there, and they find that everything has actually kept running. There's a solar generator, um... And so there's this moment of, oh my gosh, like, this place could be a safe haven. It's got, you know, um, 
uh, electric fences. Uh, Sarah got in via her, like, key code, like, kind of thing. So it's like, man, this could be Mm -hmm. a a real safe haven. Um, But as they explore, they find that several of Sarah's former coworkers are here, um, but they're Mm -hmm. crazy and hostile. So uh, we have yeah, to eliminate. Which is a sad moment because these are like Sarah's former coworkers, and uh, she also realizes mm-hmm. that back when everything was going down and uh, the world was ending, uh, her other coworkers, like fellow researchers, had tried to come to the compound, this lab, to uh, hide out and be safe, but the security forces uh, had already taken over and they turned all the researchers away and left them to die. Uh, and those same security mm-hmm. guards are the same people now trying to kill Deacon and Sarah two years after the apocalypse. So it's um, it's it's a it's a painful moment. It's like oh, I I thought I could trust these people. I thought uh, they would be you know allies, but no, they're basically no better than the common marauders that Deacon makes a living uh, hunting down and killing. So yeah, you got a little firefight there, mm-hmm. but eventually they they make their way into the heart of the lab. And they make a discovery that um, shocks Sarah to her core, you know, needless to say. She finds out that the research she had done here at this lab was used to basically develop the freaker virus. So, in a way, her work allowed the apocalypse to be possible, made made it happen. So, mm-hmm. she has to grapple with that, and it's a uh, very heavy revelation for her. But they, they get what they came for, and they leave. But on the way back to Wizard Island, they get caught in a snowstorm. They take shelter in a cabin, and they uh, rediscover their feelings for each other while they're <laughs> hiding out and waiting out the storm. And it's, <laughs> it's honestly a very tasteful, very beautiful moment. They you know they, they spend the night there and uh, kind of um, all the things that they wanted to say and do when they first saw each other, when they first had that awkward re- reunion – but couldn't they do there so it's like they finally are able to have some mm-hmm. time alone and really really reconnect so it's a nice it's a nice story beat for them both and yeah. it's, it's a nice character moment totally agree i i think that was good and even even with the context of that like they've uh done this run together they've spent a lot of time together now like it's not um it's not weird, like, I knew you two years ago before the world ended, mm-hmm. even though we were married and close then. You know, it, it, this is good. This is nice for them, for sure. Unfortunately, when they arrived back at the camp, uh, Dr. Jimenez yeah. was killed. Uh, and we find out he was killed by Taylor, who uh, was a guy who enlisted when Deacon did. They showed up at the same time. And he's kind of a... A yeah. burnout, drug addict kind of guy. He he calls you a few times, and he's kind he of He was funny. a uh, comic relief like character, but you could definitely tell he uh, wasn't really up for the challenge of being a survivor and a soldier in the militia. Uh, and it, it seemed like he had cracked under pressure. He uh, was trying to get a fix for his very obvious drug addiction. Dr. Doctor Jimenez got in his way, and mm-hmm. uh, Taylor stabbed him, and... Dr. Jimenez unfortunately died and of course in a world like this one you know where medical ability and skill are very highly valued and uh, very valuable that's a huge loss for the militia for for sure and so Mm. it falls on Deacon it's like his job to find Taylor track him down bring him bring him to justice 
And he does so. He goes out and finds this guy. And Deacon realizes this pathetic kid really just was not equipped to live in this world. He just didn't have what it takes to uh, get by, and his addiction was his downfall. And Deacon just sort of takes pity on him. And he knows, if I if I take Taylor back to uh, Militia Base, he'll just be hanged. He's just going to be executed by the colonel. So he kind of takes the compassionate mm-hmm. route and helps Taylor uh, overdose instead. So he kind of like goes peacefully, which uh, it's it, it's a hard it's a hard yeah. scene. It's a hard moment, but it kind of tells you about uh, Deacon rediscovering some humanity. Uh, he he hangs on to uh, certain, um, uh, I guess, uh, charitable impulses that he still has. Like I can still do some good. I can still help this guy in some way in this impossible situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah, and, and and with Taylor, like Taylor at this point is crying, like yeah. I can't go back and get hung. Like <laughs> when you get hung, you shit yourself. Everyone's laughing yeah. at you. Like I can't go through that. And Deacon, you know, as you said, chose to uh, give compassion to him, even though he knew Garrett would be pissed. Like he's like, you know, Garrett wants that right. chance to get his uh, justice, so to speak. It's not enough that Taylor's dead. He would want, you know, that spectacle. But Deacon is like. No, you know, you're you're fine, Taylor. Like I get it. Like and I'll mm-hmm. I'll give you the way out you want, which um is cool. It's cool to kind of see Deacon have some side of that cuz I'm sure there's been times where Deacon, you know, before this game and the two years preceding has just been really ruthless all the time just killing anyone and everything right. for no reason kind of thing. So from here, we pick back up, though, with Sarah, and she asks you to capture a newt, which is um, yeah, basically yeah, juvenile, a juvenile, like, Yeah, like a teenage, um, like an adolescent and, human who was turned into a freaker, and they're, they're creepy. They're very creepy. Newts are weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> I agree. They definitely are. Um, and Sarah asks you to rescue, bring one back specifically to her lab. She has an experiment she wants to do. Uh, the experiment is Sarah has something she wants to inject in it, and it will hopefully help. What happens is uh, the experiment just kills the newt pretty quickly, uh, and Deacon at first is like, hell yeah, that really worked. But Sarah's crying, and she says she thought she could reverse engineer the sickness and cure it, that she could cure the kid. And Deacon is like, wait, what? Um, and so Sarah... Like still, sort of views the freakers as people, as who they were, and that you know perhaps you know a you know in in a lab we got them here. Perhaps in a lab we could get them out of here. Maybe we right. could change them. Maybe we could turn them back. And Deacon is kind of awestruck because he's like, I've just been killing these things for two years. I've right. never thought of them as people, uh, but. You know, I want to support you. I want to help you. And, you know, they, they kind of come to a conclusion together that this military yeah. is probably not the place for that. So they need to run off together. They can pursue this. Um, but the military right. is probably not the place and, for And uh, while Sarah has her experiment trying to cure newts and, you know, reverse engineer the sickness and cure the freaker virus in general, uh, uh, Weaver has a project of his own that he finally puts the finishing touches on. Uh, it's called the napalm Molotov cocktail, and it's like uh, you know the 
your typical bottle bomb, uh, your typical bigger brother to the standard Molotov cocktail, and it's 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 a beast. It's awesome, <laughs> and it's so cool. And he asks Deacon to test it out, mm-hmm. and so Deacon's like, "Oh, okay, sure." And uh, there's a little test run they go on where Deacon and Captain Curry they go out together, and they find a horde, and they're like, "All right, let's try these things out, see if they work." And Deacon uses the Napalm Molotov cocktails as well as uh, whatever firearms that he has, and he wipes out an entire horde uh, while Corey's kind of, like, up on a hill watching, like, all right, keep it up. You're about halfway through all of them, and he's like, only halfway? It's, like, this really cool, actually. That was one of my favorite missions where you have that sort of uh, buddy cop uh, dynamic between Deacon and Corey, and you're being introduced to the uh, Mm -hmm. horde combat mechanics, like, of... Uh, have a plan, have a route, you know, have somewhere to go, leave yourself an escape route, uh, set traps, uh, deploy your uh, throwable explosives really, really wisely. It's a really cool mission, and uh, being able to use the napalm for the first time is awesome. And Deacon's like, damn, this actually works. I went it, I did it. I killed like 500 freakers all like within five minutes. This could actually work. And so there's a bit of a beacon of hope there. Like, mm-hmm. maybe we can take this world back from the Freakers. But uh, as this game tends to do when you hit a high point, you're thrown into a low point soon after. So when uh, Deacon and Curry sort of uh, go back to base with the good news, uh, he, they find out that they find out that Sarah and Weaver had been moved into the mountain at the center of camp, uh, which the colonel is calling the Ark. It's kind of like where he's keep, it's uh, he can't stop with the biblical references. He can't help himself. Uh, but he, it's where he's keeping mm-hmm. all this like scientific information, all of this valuable stuff. And uh, he considers Sarah and Weaver very valuable. So he has them both under heavy guard. And even worse, Colonel mm-hmm. Garrett decides the rest of the world is the enemy. Uh, the sin of humanity caused the freaker mutation. And so it, it all has to be wiped clean. He's going uh, full-on 100% fire and brimstone at this point, and it's very disturbing. Yeah, it is. He's Even to the point of, like, freakers aren't our real enemy. They do what they do. The real enemy is the scum out there, oh, the people, boy. the drug yeah. users, the blah, blah, blah. We have to eliminate them. We're yeah. God's sword, almost, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fuck this guy. Like, <laughs> he's, he's lost. He's, he's lost worst. the plot. Um, he's, he's out of it. So yeah. he's totally out of it. So at this point, of course, Deacon's alarm bells are really going off. All right, we got to get the fuck out of here. We wanted to leave anyway, but man, right. the world is about to get a lot worse. Um, and so he gets in contact with O'Brien again, um, and. O'Brien has him go check this cave out and Deacon agrees, but he says, you've got to help me escape from this place. Um, And something unique about uh, this area is the South is cut off to Nero because uh, the militia has Mm -hmm. RPGs. They'll shoot helicopters down. So uh, they've got kind of a unique dynamic here. Deacon um, goes, checks the cave out, does the zombie stuff that, uh, O'Brien wants it done and O'Brien says cool let me know time and place we'll come pick you up so Deacon plans their escape and it's right. looking like it could really happen he gets he gets Sarah busted out they sneak past a variety of guards 
they make their way to the top of the point. Deacon also dis, uh, disables the RPGs. The Nero helicopter can come. We'll swoop them and up. And it's all going escape. so well up until guess who shows up? Fucking Schizo, of course. <laughs> that son of a bitch shows up. Fucking and Schizo. it turns out that he's like a new recruit to the militia and uh, Colonel Garrett is showing him around and that just so happens to be the moment uh, Garrett and Schizo come up to the top of the mountain and they're like, oh, hey, and then here's where the, uh, where, here's where we keep the RPGs. <laughs> and Schizo just goes like, hey, I know him. <laughs> and he kind of like, Schizo does what he does. He's a weaselly little rat bastard who uh, turns the militia against Deacon immediately. Mm-hmm. Of course, Deacon's also being caught escaping and breaking Sarah out, so that's not good for him either. Basically, Sarah and Deacon are both recaptured. Sarah gets thrown back into the Ark, and Deacon is going to be executed the next day. So uh, things are not looking good at all. Luckily, Deacon has a friend in his corner, uh, a new friend in the sh- in the form of Captain Corey, who has realized, hey, wait a minute, Deacon and Sarah, they, they're together. They were married before all this. That explains a lot. And he, he and uh, some of his men, like some of the soldiers under his command, who have uh, also had enough of Colonel Garrett's nonsense, they uh, they all sort of go AWOL and they rescue Deacon. They let him they let him free. And so Corey and his guys are like, "We're out of here. We're mm-hmm. deserting. Um, we we're gonna bust you out while we're deserting. So good luck." And so yeah, Deacon is saved. He's uh, let loose. And he decides to head home to Lost Lake to see what's going there, going on there because he knows that the militia is about to attack uh, Lost Lake. And, of course, he gets there mm-hmm. as the the battle is raging, but Lost Lake manages to drive off the militia. Unfortunately, in the process, uh, Iron Mike had been shot by Schizo during the attack. That fucker schizo of course he every bad thing that happens is pretty much schizo's fault um and sadly iron mike passes yes. away right after deacon makes it back so uh it's a massive loss for lost lake the, the camp still exists like they have survived the uh the attack but uh their heart and soul their leader is gone so that's a major low point Yeah, huge low point. So Deacon uh, makes a plan, and he says, we have to hit uh, the militia before they hit us. They have too many people. They have too many guns. We have to do this. So what he comes up Mm -hmm. with is a fertilizer truck bomb that he's going to send that into uh, the militia's camp fortress. It'll blow open the gates. It'll cause a lot of problems. And uh, with that, we'll be able to just basically like take them blind and just kill them all because they're going to be so distracted on one end of the fort we can come in the other end and you know this will take out a lot of the soldiers too so uh deacon though has to gather supplies for this he also has to clear a couple hordes on the way because the supplies he needs are there so deacon's uh Mm -hmm. killing his way through this ultimately this heads towards uh, the final showdown. Uh-huh. So Boozer and Deacon the, back at it again. The dynamic and duo. They're heading to the gates. <laughs> the the gruesome the fertilizer twosome, the dynamic duo, uh, back in action. And, uh, yeah, they have this gigantic truck bomb ready to go. And they're kind of just barreling downhill straight toward the main gate of the militia base. And um, I, I think at this point... Uh, 
Deacon has the idea of like, well, someone has to drive the truck through the gate. It's going to be me. I'm going to push Boozer out because even thinking back to you know the beginning mm-hmm. of the game, Deacon was always ready to sacrifice for Boozer's sake. Um, he was always ready to lay his life down for his brother, and uh, it's mutual. The feeling's mutual. So Boozer beats him to the punch. He pushes Deacon out first. Deacon falls into the uh, kind of like the crater, the water uh, surrounding uh, the camp, and the gate busts open. Mm-hmm. The truck blows up. Uh, for all appearances, it seems as though Boozer has uh, given his life to uh, destroy a, ma- a significant portion of the militia base. And uh, the Lost Lake uh, inhabitants are there. They're fighting. They're invading uh, Wizard Island. Cop- uh, Copeland's camp is there. Uh, Hot Springs are there, Ada Tucker's people. They're all pitching in. All the camps of the North are uh, kind of joining forces to deal with the threat that the militia poses. So, yeah, there's this giant battle going on. Deacon uh, just kills and sneaks and dodges his way through the militia camp. And similar to the showdown he had with Carlos, he has another boss fight with Schizo, and it's very satisfying to finally kill that guy <laughs> it's so yes nice. yeah. oh it it's yeah. so satisfying to take schizo out uh and you're like finally this asshole is done he's not showing up again he's gone um yeah good riddance kill off schizo it's good you arrive at the bunker in like the depth of the ark and colonel garrett's got everyone held up um, and he's, um, I don't know, pontificating about <laughs> the new society they would have set up, whatever. And it looks like he would is going to kill Deacon. He's got the revolver aimed at him, um, but he's been drinking tea, and he yeah. was apparently poisoned by Sarah uh, with um, the flower that they'd picked up earlier that's highly poisonous. And Garrett falls down dead. Um, they come, they emerge together out of this, and they find in the wreckage that the militia has uh, surrendered. The people that were left uh, have surrendered. The camp is there. It's victorious. Uh, Deacon's walking around, though, of course, understandably sad that uh, he lost Boozer to get this. They won the war, but he lost Boozer. And uh-huh. then... Boozer rolls up and says, hey, cool, what's cool up? Cool as a cucumber, not a care in the world. He's like, that was nothing. What else you got? Yeah, he's like, the blaster's big under the water. Like, Jeez. you're just like, holy shit, you're here. Um, they reunite. It's really great. And things things are, yeah, things are looking great. You like, know, vic- uh, victory. There's finally hope for the future. The, the, the militia surrendered. Um, everyone's kind of like, kind of, relieved probably that uh everyone who wasn't a diehard supporter of the colonel they're mostly relieved that he's out of power and the militia can kind of go back to uh just keeping each other safe like they their original mission was and all the camps are you know feeling like hey things are gonna hopefully get better from here and deacon and sarah can finally truly be together uh they kind of settle in at lost lake and that's mostly where the main line story wraps up there are Kind of are a few uh, epilogues after that, but we're left with this scene where Deacon has sort of learned what's really important in life. You know, he's he's found 
uh, a community and a family that gives him more in life than just survival. And that's that's really what he's been looking for this whole time. I mean, he's been looking for Sarah, but more than Sarah, mm-hmm. he's been looking for a reason to keep going, and he's finally found it, as well as her. So it's very poetic and very satisfying and uh, a great conclusion. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and so now that we've gone through uh, the majority, or I guess basically all the game, excluding a little epilogue we'll talk about in a minute, but we've met everyone, and I thought it would be worth talking about who our favorite characters were that we met along the way. Um Besides Deacon, of course, I think that uh, he's probably everyone's favorite who's played this game. Oh, of course. Uh, Deacon's great, so felt like uh, giving some other people some options. So who were some people along the way that you really enjoyed? Oh, man. Um, I, I kind of pointed out Curry earlier. Uh, I, I really liked his uh, interactions, especially during that first uh, Horde mission and using the napalm. He's just a solid dude. Like He really mm-hmm. came through as a... Uh, helpful character like rescuing deacon that that, that part way through and just just being a really uh reasonable wise and uh helpful guy so yeah there's not a ton of depth or uh you know dynamic to him but uh he's just a he's just i I liked him i liked the impression he left on me Um, i like i liked uh too when you met him uh you talk about uh, your wife, but you give a fake name since you noticed the mongrel name, right. mongrel ring he had, and he talks about his wife that you know he was just a military guy on vacation, so he happened to be here, kind of thing. Right, and like I, I thought that was a cool little backstory, and like yeah, I like Curry for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, probably another favorite. It's got to just be Boozer. He's just such a such a bro. He's just such an awesome yeah. dude. Like he's the mm-hmm. cool older brother we all wish we had who's you know constantly looking out for you and always there for you um just awesome guy yeah i you know i definitely want to point out ricky too she felt like a very just dynamic and believable character like there's uh she just felt so organic and she complimented deacon really well like they do feel like kind of a peas in a pod you find out that Mm -hmm. the, the history they share part of it was like they actually traveled together early on in the post apocalypse like Within the first few months after the, uh, after, you know the the freaker infection ended ended civilization, they survived together. Like her Deacon and Boozer, they were kind of in a group together, and she actually makes a pass at Deacon here and there too. Like kind of, she it, it's made clear she's bisexual and she's like you know she's with Addie, Addie's her girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But there's also moments where it's like Deacon, how come you and I never hooked up? And Deacon never really let her in on you know, the situation with Sarah. So he's really guarded about that. And it just felt like uh, a true, it it felt like a uh, truly uh, grounded friendship type dynamic that they had that uh, was believable and it felt right. And I I just, I just liked her, uh, her place in the story a lot. And uh, I guess lastly, Iron Mike was just a very pivotal figure. I liked his uh, background as kind of a, an early community leader after the world ended. He knows how bad things can get when people stop trusting each other. Uh, he tells that story to Deacon about that thing he saw firsthand where uh, those survivors in that one town all turned on each other and wiped each other out. And he kind of mm-hmm. makes it clear to Deacon, that's the sort of thing I want to avoid. We need to work and get to the point where that doesn't happen. And he really exemplifies so many great ideals that in that situation, in that kind of world, you would want to try and keep carrying no matter what. 
So I, I, I liked what he was. I liked what Iron Mike represented a lot. Yeah, I did too. It was good to see that there's someone who's trying to like keep humanity or whatever in the midst of mm-hmm. this. I thought he was a really cool character. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally agree with what you've said. And yeah, for me, I had Captain Curry and Ricky, so I was on the same page as you. Mm-hmm. Good characters there for sure. Um, Chris on Twitter wrote in and said Sarah St. John, so really liked her. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she was cool too. Yeah, uh, Nikki on Twitter says, Ricky, brilliant by mechanic. I love her. <laughs> uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, by visibility is great. That representation is great. Uh, and yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Rick, Ricky's mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gary on Twitter said Boozer was pretty memorable. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Zombie Guts on Twitter. Probably Boozer if we are going in terms of actually liking them. That said, I thought the Colonel was brilliantly written and voice acted. It made him the kind of character you love to hate. Uh, totally agree with that, too. I, you know, that'd be an honorable mention of mine, too. The Colonel was um, very interesting, very engaging. Uh, he wasn't, I mean, I guess you could say in some ways he was a typical bad guy where it's like, oh, he thinks he's just doing the right thing. But his the way he was performed and the way he was written was uh, very... Um, very immersive and engaging. So, yeah, he was a he was a really well done character too. Totally agree. Totally agree. So that that's the game itself. Now we've got a little epilogue, and then we'll move into some general thoughts we had about the game that we just didn't get to hit up as we recap. So, secret ending. Um, there's a couple things, but the big one is we talk to O'Brien again, uh-huh. and and when we talk to him, he tells us that Nero caused this, that Nero is the reason the Freakers are here, that the virus is evolving, that Nero is planning to weaponize it, um, and he tells us they're coming. And then uh, the helicopter starts moving up, and then O'Brien, oh, O'Brien also takes off his helmet, and his face is fucked up. Um, he looks like he's and, in the midst of turning into a freaker, but he's still able to talk and like, which is not normal at all. And, and then he jumps maybe like ten feet into the helicopter, like he just fucking high jumps. Yeah, it. that was that was and, crazy. And, and then you're just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Deacon looks like he's just seeing a ghost, and he's like trying to make sense of what he just saw. And yeah, it's made clear that um, the virus is being. It's evolving, and it's kind of taking a new shape, and uh, Nero has very insidious att- uh, intentions. So that's probably a tease of what hopefully the uh, sequel might deliver on if we get a sequel. So very yeah. interesting uh, scene there. Yeah. There's also there's um, also a cool cameo scene later on that you can also see where uh, Lisa shows up at uh, Lost Lake Camp. She has her own motorcycle now. And she just kind of rolls up to the main gate, and she gets some trouble from the guard there. The guard's like, don't come any closer or I shoot, because he thinks she's a ripper. So it's like this awkward standoff that Deacon sh- shows up, and he diffuses it. Like, hey, no, she's fine. She's she's not a ripper. Leave her alone. And they have a little moment where they kind of catch up, and he's like, hey, glad to see you're you know doing okay out there. And she's now completely independent. She's a young adult. She's basically a drifter and a bounty hunter kind of like deacon she's just making her living Mm -hmm. making her way out there uh hunting freakers and uh you know surviving off the land like he does 
So I, I really liked that. I liked that little glimpse. Uh, sorry, glimpse. That little glimpse at uh, you know, like a kind of a mentor apprentice relationship that they might have, uh, they could have. So that's also really cool potential for uh, the possible sequel. Yeah, I thought that was cool. It almost made me think, are like, are we going to get a Lisa DLC? Yeah, I'd be, like, I'd be down with that. It, it, it set it up as that like she could be Deacon now if you wanted, kind of thing, which was kind of right. cool. Cool. So I guess from here we'll move into our general thoughts. Anything else we wanted to talk about uh, about this game? Uh, I guess a first thing I have just offhand of that I felt was. Uh, of course, being zombies, it did feel very reminiscent of The Walking mm-hmm. Dead, but also with uh, the mongrels, the MC, all of that, it felt a lot like Sons of Anarchy also, yep. which um, has been a, a quarantine show I've been very into. Uh, <laughs> nice. I've, that, that's been, I, I never watched it before this, but with all the extra time, I've uh, been watching Sons of Anarchy quite a awesome. bit. And there were so many things that were like, oh, that's in Sons. Nomad. Oh, burning the tattoos off. Yeah. Like, yeah. All of those things. It, it was like, um, like I think one of the early episodes of Walk- of uh, Sons of Anarchy, a guy gets kicked out of the game gang like Jesse, and they ask him, do you want fire or blade to get your tattoos yeah. off kind of thing? And it was like, oh, hell yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Those are both things I like, properties I enjoy, and this felt like a fun way that they converged in some ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I just generally I thought that uh, yeah I, I love the walking or I'm sorry I I love the Sons of Anarchy ties into because uh, tie-ins because uh, I watched Sons of Anarchy years ago I love that show so I was like mm. oh I know what a road captain is <laughs> I know what Nomad is yeah I was like that's awesome that's so uh-huh. cool and, and yeah. Uh, yeah I just thought in general uh, Bend Studio really just nailed the atmosphere and the environment like you could tell that they did a ton of research on. The Pacific Northwest, the you know, high desert biome, what the what the Cascade Mountains are like, uh, what the plateaus and the uh, lava flows are like. I, I just really felt like I was totally immersed in this wilderness and dealing with the enemies, moving through the environment, scavenging what I needed. Um, I, I just felt like I was really in a living world. So uh, the atmosphere mm-hmm. was on point for me. Yeah. Totally agree. They nailed that uh, for sure. It really felt like the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. for sure. It's on point. Another thing uh, I think is probably just shown in uh, us talking about this for quite a while, but I like Deacon quite a lot as a playable character. He's uh, really enjoyable to use. He's got, uh, you know, the rugged outlaw, I don't care about anything vibe going, but then you also see him care about things and be sacrificial and those sorts of things. So it was cool kind of seeing the character that he was. And then along with that, I thought Sam Witwer did a fantastic job as the voice actor. Mm -hmm. He was really, really great. um, And, you know, huge fan of that for sure. Yeah, I agree. uh, Totally. Sam Witwer is one of my favorite actors ever. I, I love pretty much everything he does and yeah he did a spectacular job i feel like deacon was one of his most uh uh dynamic and uh kind of um just uh relatable characters i I just really felt for the guy like uh deacon Mm -hmm. just felt like a uh a person carrying a lot of pain with him and uh that's that's a person wouldn't survive in a world like days gone's game world without you know, carrying a lot of trauma with them and really building up a lot of emotional calluses and scars along the way. So I think uh, Sam Whitworth portrayed that portrayed that really, really well. 
I also uh, shout out to Scott White, who uh, played Carlos. I thought he just really delivered like someone who was unhinged and completely uh, losing their grip on humanity, but still holding on to a shred of of a vendetta from a previous life. Uh, I just really felt like he sold that really well as Carlos. So honestly, every character I felt like was voiced and portrayed really well. There's no single uh, instance I can really single out and complain about. I think uh, everyone was casted really well and just all the performances were really special. So I agree. I thought, I, I thought that was great. One, one complaint I do have about the game is I do feel like it did try to do a little bit too much in terms of mechanics uh, to me. So, like, it had Dead Eye, kind of similar to Red Dead Redemption, where it's, like, everything slows down and you can kind of uh, pick your shots real fast kind of thing while it's in slow-mo. And then you've got uh, your motorcycle play. You've also got kind of maintenance in general of, like, I need bullets, I need gas, I need to, uh, you know, scrap for Mm -hmm. my bike. Uh, all, all, all of that stuff. And then also, like, the stealth section, specifically with Nero, where it was, like, required stealth um, to be close enough to him to spy on them. And to me, I kind of feel like they probably should have chose some of these mechanics and just emphasized them a lot and maybe gotten rid of some of the other ones because it, it felt like it was a little bit too much where you did all of them, but, you know more at like a seven or of it or an eight instead of maybe doing a couple. Of yeah, I, I get that. I, I, I think that's a good point. I'm glad you pointed out that, uh, stealth sections, like I, I also didn't feel like they fit that well. They kind of felt forced to me, but, um, that being mm-hmm. said, I, I understood the story reasons for them. Like, Oh, you need to find things out about Nero, but it, it felt a little contrived. Like, Oh, you can't stealth kill the Nero soldiers because their uh, their jumpsuits, their hazmat suits are knife proof and bulletproof and you can literally do nothing to them but it's like oh but freakers can rip them apart no problem right it it was kind of weird i was like that's definitely a contrived thing but i get it i understand the reasons for it but yeah stealth felt a little uh a little out of place yeah it was like yeah story-wise justified it made sense for it but like gameplay wise it didn't make as much sense and like another thing i would just tack on to that i it's kind of hard to explain but the tone throughout the story felt a tiny bit confused for me like i'm not sure if the game uh took itself too seriously or not seriously enough it just kind of the whole time through it felt like i was in that weird limbo between uh, this world is dead serious. I mean, it, it is for the most part, but it's also like a little cartoony in some aspects where it's like, am I, am I super sold on this? I, I don't know. It was like, also some of the writing, uh, you know, the dialogue sometimes got kind of soap opera ish. So, um, there's just these tiny little quirks that I can barely, you know, explain or quantify, but, uh, it's it's a very it's a deeply enjoyable story don't get me wrong i i love it from top to bottom but there was just this strange quality to it that i can't put my finger on that kept me from being all the way invested i was still like a tiny bit at arm's length throughout like if that makes any sense no yeah it it does It, it does seem like there are um 
that yeah the tone being confusing i i i totally feel that gotcha. for yeah. sure um one more kind of complaint i have is i didn't like the inconsistent use of kind of your skip option so if you failed a task enough it would actually let you skip hmm. it sometimes um and in a game like red dead redemption any mission you do if you skip if you just fail it enough uh, I think if you fail it three times, the fourth time it'll say, hey, do you want to skip ahead from this gameplay section and, uh, you know, move forward kind of thing? Uh, you won't get, you know, um, trophies or whatever, but, you know, it'll let the game keep going. And Days Gone had that, but it didn't have it all the time. So it was kind of weird. Like, um, on, like, motorcycle chases, you could do that occasionally. On some of the hordes you could, but not on some of them. And so it was kind of weird in that um, there were a couple times in the game where it made you do something when it seemed like it maybe should have had a skip option. Uh, so, like, um, the first time I encountered this where I wanted it was uh, when you steal those medical supplies from the breaker in the airplane uh right. early in the game when schizo takes you to the antibiotics you can't skip that breaker you just have to kill you know you have to fight it incessantly until you figure it out um but then like with a motorcycle chase some of those you can just skip so i thought it was a little weird if you're gonna have a skip option it seems like it should either apply more or maybe you shouldn't right. have one so i thought that was yeah a no weird. i get that i actually didn't notice that while playing but that's a good point now that you uh pointed out i was like yeah that that yeah i get i get that um yeah i i guess the last thing i would say it's actually you know it's a it's a compliment i'm kind of through all my gripes <laughs> i've said all the gripes i have to say but mm-hmm. i i did i just really enjoyed the progression mechanics like the skill level ups the uh weapon variety of things you unlock and get to play around with um upgrading your bike throughout the game it really felt like you were making a worthwhile investment the entire game like you're visually and like uh physically improving your bike you can feel the difference when you're driving it around um i really liked that uh the skill trees were cool like you unlock some cool stuff uh, along the way nothing like really revolutionary or groundbreaking but everything worked really well i think um, just in general, working your way up the ladder to the point where you could become that horde killer, like that legendary freaker massacre guy, uh, like doing that, like that whole process felt like a real challenge and like you could see the results. You could really tell that Deacon was becoming more capable over time as you played with him. So um, I, I, I love that gradual payoff of you can tell that you're becoming more powerful and dangerous and more able to survive so uh, i think they pulled that off really well i i agree 100 percent. that might be one of the best parts of the game is how the For progression sure. went of like uh your your bike and having those things or your weapons getting better or the skill tree we, we didn't really hit much up on it but i felt like as i was adding skill tree things it wasn't that i was just leveling up but they were things that were helpful like when i got the uh you could stealth kill a breaker uh, that uh, mean that was huge yeah. um <laughs> you, you you know like that that totally made certain sections of the game way easier because i chose to do- you know upgrade in that way or whatever and so i totally agree i thought that was fantastic and um yeah my last thing that i've got is uh same i don't have a you know i had a couple gripes but obviously as evidenced by us talking about this for a while i like this game quite a bit it was good i'm looking forward to days gone too uh i 
assume that will happen. Um, I would be shocked if it didn't. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. The one hesitation I do have is I'm a little worried about if O'Brien is becoming a freaker. It seems that way. Is... um, are they going to make it believable and will it work or will it feel yeah. gimmicky? Cause it does feel like they're playing with fire. Yeah, that, a little bit. that could be, that's risky. That could go either way. That could be really cool or really lame. And, um, I'm not sure how, what would make it either way, but yeah, I do feel like it's kind of a fine balance. They have to strike there. Like, how are you going to make, um, weaponized evolved freakers? Interesting. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It, it, I'll, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Definitely looking forward yeah, to same. playing it for sure. So yeah, we have some. Um, uh, I think some more Twitter responses uh, as far as general thoughts on the last. Uh, <laughs> I almost said last but uh, As far as uh, general <laughs> thoughts on Days Gone, uh, Katie on Twitter says, "Really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Very buggy, but not to where it killed it for me." Uh, that yeah. Side note: I forgot there were some bugs here and there. That's a good point. That I haven't that we didn't mention, but um, she continues. Horde mechanics are pretty cool, especially near the beginning of the game. But then you get kind of mentally used to it, so it doesn't have the same effect later on. Gave me great unscripted moments I will not forget, like when a wolf ran at me over a hill. I aimed at it, then behind it over the hill comes a massive horde that's chasing the wolf, and now me <laughs> was a great oh shit moment that was unique to my game. That's that's an awesome thing to share. Uh, thank you, Katie. That's a great point. Um, mm-hmm. I I do remember my first horde situation that I wasn't ready for. <laughs> I think we maybe all have that story, but like, I was just clearing out. I think an ambush camp or a marauder base or whatever. I was just killing off some human enemies, and uh, I heard freakers nearby. I was like, oh, that's more than I normally come across. What's going on over there? And I take a look like over this little ledge and down on this little prairie right below me is like 150 freakers and they suddenly like find me and they start running like oh fuck oh shit and all i have is like all i have is this uh scavenged uh ak-47 on me with like not much ammo and i just like throw all the molotovs that i have and i just keep running and i throw every bullet that i have at them and i actually end up killing off my first horde that i was completely unprepared for uh early early on in the game oh that's awesome amazing it was like it was like one of the baby horns. I love that. Was like that. The tiniest one in the game, but I was still like really proud of myself. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, especially unsuspecting. You didn't. You weren't ready for, for sure. it, and you still handled it. That's aw- That's awesome. It is really fun with those. Is that the environment interacts with it so much? Like there was this one section on my map for some reason where there was always a bear fighting freakers whenever I drove by. <laughs> and I always thought that was really funny. I was like, I don't know how this happened, but this is the section where the bear and the freakers mm. fight. Yeah, real cool. Um, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Justin on Twitter wrote in and said, I really enjoyed it after giving it a second chance. I thought the characters were great. The freakers were a lot of fun. The world is excellent. Definitely, definitely looking forward to Days Gone 2 or really anything that the studio Definitely, makes. I agree. Sabrina on Twitter says, mm-hmm. The bike as an imperiled method of traversal, storage unit, and save point was ingenious, and the bike was super fun to ride. The story was good, but it was the character relationships that really made the game. Deacon and Sarah are a shockingly good pair, and it's earned. I should say, though, the game's most interesting mechanic, hordes, take way too long to weave into the story, almost at the very end of the game. Or at the very at the end of a very long game. 
That's fair. It's a fair point. Yeah, that that is true. You become a horde killer, like, I don't know, maybe like 30 hours into a 35-hour right, yeah. game or something like that. Like It, def- it, it definitely burn, takes yeah, a while a to get up. to that get spot. That. It, yeah, for sure. Um, Melissa on Twitter said, To be honest, I adored it. Deke is a great character to traverse for the sure. apocalypse with. Uh, Kieran, oh, yeah. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Kieran, Kieran, on Twitter says, "Personally, really liked it, and it's one of my favorite games. It really feels like you lived in it. Highly recommend if you like games like The Last of Us." Yep. Um, Chris on Twitter said, "Not bad, but The Last of Us games are better." Which um, I would agree with that. I like The Last of Us more, but uh, this is plenty good for zombie content. I don't disagree with that sentiment. Uh, For me, Last of Us and Days Gone are actually kind of equal in my mind. I I like them both for different reasons. They're not like a one to they're not a one to one comparison Mm. for me. But I I get that. But well, and I guess true. Also, they don't really try to be the same game. They definitely go for different. That's fair. Siri on Twitter says, "I found it very good. It's one of the games that I don't want to end." It has been a beautiful experience touring a whole world in which it is devastated by monsters and a beautiful story comes out of all of that. Uh, Jonathan on Twitter said mm-hmm. severely mm-hmm. underrated. Dave on Twitter would have been great five years ago. Interesting. I think it's great now, but I, I, I think I know what you're getting at. Like maybe the zombie game trend was a little bit in fashion back then is maybe what you're saying, but that's fair. That's fair to say. Sure. Uh, Dragon on Twitter said bad game. Ah, so sorry to hear that. Like Dragon. That's, that's, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, Nikki on Twitter. First of all, it was a pretty good game. A lot better than I expected. I enjoyed the story, even though it went down the trope hole at times, uh, bioweapon experiment gone wrong, etc. The graphics and weather effects were stunning. Snow on Deke's clothes, harder handling of the bike in the rain, Deacon is a really cool lead character, and I love traveling the open world via bike. He gives me Daryl vibes, and that's great. Haha, <laughs> nice. Uh, Walking Dead shout-out. I agree. The freaks were interesting, mm-hmm. and discovering different kinds was fun. The Nero missions were cool, but I hated the forced stealth. What I didn't like was forced stealth, graphic drops, frame rate drops, inconsistency of which parts I, th- I, could, I could skip. Dan, you pointed that out. And uh, which not, uh, like mm-hmm. the hordes. But all those bad things I listed didn't take me out of the game too much. While it was frustrating at times, even on easy mode, I'll still remember having lots of fun with the game, and that is what truly counts. Great answer, Nikki. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, totally. Great great stuff. That was something I thought uh, before I played the game, and now playing it, is if they would have wanted to, they probably could have just made this a Daryl walking <laughs> Honestly, <this> game. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> If if they would like, I like what we got. I think this game is great. But it's like if uh, you know, The Walking Dead was like, hey, make a game like this. Like they could have done this and changed some stuff, and people yeah, they wouldn't have to change a lot for um, the like the Daryl Dixon game. I actually thought like when I first started playing, I was like, hey, look at this. I have a motorcycle. I have a crossbow. I'm killing zombies. This is a Daryl. This is a Daryl Dixon simulator. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it really hit that. But then, it, you know, also with that, oh, sure. though, it did yeah. create its own thing. And, you know, Deacon's great, all that stuff. But it was funny just seeing that. And you're like, yeah. oh, it could be so close. Um, um, 
also, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this was your experience, but me playing it recently, I didn't have a lot of um, glitches or stuff when I played, but I did uh, watch uh, some of a Let's Play while I was making some notes for it, and it was someone who had like a, a copy from PlayStation mm-hmm. at, re- at release, and their copy yeah. was buggy as hell. Um, like, th- there were times where like characters were like stuck inside each other and shit like that, like... It, it was crazy seeing it be really buggy at release, but for me, I didn't really notice too much when I was playing. So um, I, I don't know what your experience was, but it seems like they... Yeah, I, I played it at launch, and I um, I had a few bugs. Nothing, like, really super bad. Nothing, like, in- entirely gra- uh, game-breaking, at least not very often. But, yeah, you, you probably benefited from mm-hmm. more of the patches that I didn't get right away, so... Uh, th- there were definitely bugs, but uh, okay. you probably you probably had the patches working for you. So that was that's what I get for playing at launch, though. <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah, and I mean that's the risk of any game at launch. But that that was something that yeah I noticed. Just seeing a couple people mention it about bugs, I was like, eh, it was pretty fine for me. But um, yeah, well that stays gone. Uh, fun game. If uh, you've listened to this but still not played it, I would still recommend playing it. Uh, there's plenty that we didn't talk about because really you oh, can yeah. do there's so still much a lot in this to game. Chew on. And um, th- yeah, yeah, lots of fun things to do in that. So uh, yeah, uh, with that, we are going to switch some gears and talk about Lore mm, Party a bit. Nice. Though. Um, Thank you so much. So, uh, oh yeah. Uh, so first, I guess, if uh, no one's checked out Lore Party, could you tell us uh, what the podcast is about? And Sure, yeah. You know, that sort Lore of Party is, uh, is actually it's a network of um, s- shows all about uh, video game storytelling, uh, to boil it down. We have the main shows, which are, you know, they drop roughly every week or so, uh, every other week or so. We have episodes about various games. Each season, we kind of tackle different game series and uh, take apart uh, the stories, characters, and universes from each of those games. Uh, this season, we're actually covering... Uh, I'm actually hosting episodes on Doom, the Doom games, which has been really fun. But, um, yeah, we, we go all over the place. We're, we're talking about the Spider-Man game. We're talking about uh, Assassin's Creed here and there. We also have covered uh, Halo in the past, Star Wars games, uh, Pokemon. We, we really go all over the map. But there's also our mini-game Mm-hmm. Uh, series, which is uh, sort of a condensed, bite-sized version of the mainstream lore party experience. So those episodes are between five and ten minutes. But um, the the common thread is it's all about the stories, universes, and characters of those games. We don't really we don't really get into the gameplay mechanics that much. We don't like review the games. We just we really just dive into the lore and uh, kind of tease out theories and you know take a, takeaways from each game. And uh, we we go, we go deep. It's really fun. Uh, we also have spinoff shows about uh, The Witcher uh, called Winds Howling that actually launched last year kind of alongside the Netflix series. But uh, yeah, so there's like kind of that's kind of the Netflix uh, series companion podcast, but it also gets into a lot of the stories from the books and the games themselves, too. So and lastly, our our latest uh, launch is Gom Jabbar, which is our uh, podcast on the Dune stories. Uh, if you're familiar with Frank novels, <laughs> that's mm. a very rich sci-fi universe that um, co-hosts Abu and Leo uh, really, you know, dissect and take apart and uh, go into detail about. So there's an upcoming Dune movie uh, coming down the pike that we're excited about. 
but there's also a lot of stuff from the books and the old movies and old miniseries that we talk about as well on Gamjabar. So definitely check that out if you're into Dune at all. Uh, I don't really know anything about Dune, but I, I love what they what they're doing with it there. So yeah, we have a lot of irons in the fire, uh, but Lore Party has a lot going on. So no matter what you what you play, uh, I'm sure we have something for you. So uh, check us out. Oh yeah, yeah, tons of stuff being covered there for sure, uh, and a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and so, also something that I think is really unique about Lore Party that I really like and think is cool is that yes. there are a yeah, lot it's... of you. Um, I don't know. My my guesstimation is like ten to twelve people who co-host episodes, produce things, stuff like that. And so it's kind of cool, is that like you know you're doing a Doom thing, but then I know mm-hmm. like Lawrence is talking about Spider Man. Um, and, and, and different things like that going on. And so it's not each one of uh, the hosts are necessarily on each episode, but you each have things you're doing and have stuff going on, which I, I think is pretty unique. Uh, Thank I you. think that's yeah. really cool, and I like it a lot. Um, so so uh, I guess with that, how did you end up getting involved with Lore Party? It's, like, it's actually did, a really uh, interesting story. Um, uh, my co-host, Bruce, he and I do the Doom episodes together right now. Um, we actually sort of knew each other years ago. Um, my uh, girlfriend slash common law wife, <laughs> basically, uh, she um, she knew Bruce back in college. <laughs> they were friends together, so they had, they had some mutual friends. And I, I sort of met him through her, and we started hanging out. And you know, Bruce was telling me about, oh hey, I just joined this uh, podcasting network, and I'm, I'm doing episodes for them now. They're called Lore Party, and I was like, oh, that sounds fun, sounds cool. And I didn't really you know think much about it for another like while i was like you know a year later he kind of comes to me again he says hey man would you want to you know work with us and would you want to like join us you know check it out maybe uh uh, do some episodes with us and i was like hell yeah let's do it and so i joined lore party officially uh kind of um back in uh early 2019 or so um and uh ever since yeah it's been it's been a wild ride it's been awesome getting to know these guys and getting involved with uh what they have going on and just um, this is my second actually this is my third season with them uh, producing producing and hosting so it's been a great time they're really good people they've become really good friends of mine and as you pointed out yeah we have such a variety of hosts and voices that you know we have so many different perspectives brought to the table about different franchises and different games so um, I love the different voices that we have and um, it's a it's a really good time working with them That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a cool thing looking at from outside. I'm like, this is a this is a yeah. unique thing. That's pretty pretty cool. Um, so uh, you you mentioned some, but I don't know if you have any um, upcoming episodes you'd want to tease, or maybe past episodes you'd really recommend favorite ones, uh, either that you've gotten to do yourself, or maybe other ones uh, from people on the network that you really like. Oh, for sure, yeah. So when I like when that. I first joined, my actual my first experience with Lore Party was when I uh, co-hosted and produced um, some of our Halo episodes on the Halo games with um, my buddy and co-host Jaden. Jaden's a great guy, and he was my first co-host with Lore Party, so he was instrumental in kind of like you know getting me on board and showing me the ropes and. Uh, I had a great time doing the Halo episodes with him. I, I recommend going back and checking those out if you haven't yet. Um, I really enjoyed the Halo episodes, and uh, from there I went on to the Star, War- Star Wars episodes. We covered games like uh, Republic Commando. That was really fun for me. Uh, Star uh, Jedi Knight, sorry, no, um, 
Fallen Order. We covered Fallen Order last year. So that was really good. That was a good yeah, time. Yeah. And yeah, of course, check out the Doom episodes. We're dropping them right now. Uh, we have actually, we just put out the new one um, today, uh, uh, October the 12th. So it just came out uh, really recently. You know, when you're listening to this, probably maybe a week. <laughs> Not so recent. But no, it came out, um, yeah, pretty recently. So uh, we have four episodes out now. Most recently, we talked about how the Doom games sort of. Uh, are inspired by traditional Western mythology, but also subvert some of the tropes of mythology. So we really went deep. And um, we also recently, uh, Bruce and I, we recently collaborated with another podcast host uh, named The Motherlode. He is the host of a really cool show called In the Keep, which is all about retro first-person shooters. And we had a awesome conversation with him about Doom uh, a little while ago. So I would highly recommend that as well. Uh, as far as what's coming up soon, um, we are actually planning something big for the launch of Cyberpunk 2077. I I don't know how much uh, I'm mm-hmm. at liberty to uh, discuss, but we we do have some cool stuff in the works for that. We're planning some uh, some content based on uh, Cyberpunk uh, 2077 itself, but also the Cyberpunk genre in general. We'll be kind of just discussing Cyberpunk games that we really like. So. Uh, keep an eye out for that that's coming up soon um also i'm definitely not at liberty to divulge um a lot of detail about something else but i will just say keep an eye out uh for our spider-man episodes they're gonna get really interesting really soon uh there's something really huge and really awesome coming up that uh you won't want to miss keep an eye out on our spider-man feed it's gonna be cool so uh yeah awesome Hell yeah, that's cool. I've been having fun listening to the Spider-Man episodes. I played that game earlier this year and really enjoyed it. Um, that's awesome. Um, I, I guess also, just in general, um, to get a vibe for your taste, uh, what are some of your kind of favorite games uh, that you like oh, man. just hold in high regard? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So just, I guess, from this year, I, I would say my game of the year so far has been Ghost of Tsushima. Um if you, I mean, just, I'll mm. be honest here. If you own a PS4, you you have to play it. it it's um, one of the greatest games I've ever played. I, I'm not even joking. It's uh, it's a game changer. It's groundbreaking. It's the most immersive and vibrant open world I've ever experienced. And I just, I love pretty much everything about it. So I, I really, uh, really enjoyed Ghost of Tsushima lately that kind of ate up my entire summer <laughs> i've been working from home like my, my day job has been completely remote <laughs> since uh since march so i'm working from home and uh mm-hmm. i i won't lie ghost of tsushima has uh more than eaten up my lunch breaks let's just say it's kind of like uh distracting me a lot <laughs> uh of course last yeah. of us 2 um was a big game for me this year also i'm a huge fan of last of us uh, the first one obviously and you know i got a lot out of the uh, last of us two i actually recently wrote a blog for the lore party website um i wrote a yeah i wrote about um yeah. the last of us two's launch kind of like the controversy around that kind of my takeaway from that I, I just had some thoughts about like what i saw when the last of us two came out and yeah that was a, that was really fun to write so check that out if you haven't but those are probably like the two biggest games for me this year but i've also been playing a lot of uh among us with friends lately <laughs> That's um that's been pretty fun. It's a just neat, yeah, just you know, nice. silly little party game to pass the time. So I like that, and I have my eye on Star Wars Squadrons as well. I might be picking that up soon. 
hopefully uh, in doing some multiplayer with some of the lower party guys or whoever else. But yeah, that's kind of what I've been playing lately. Those are the big ones. Um, uh, I, yeah, Metro Exodus I played a lot that, too. Uh, oh, I just sorry. recently played the uh, DLC for Metro Exodus. The you know the bonus chapters. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I could I could go on and on about what I'm playing right now. But those are probably the highlights. No, that's awesome. That that's really cool. Also, I second. Uh, people should check out that Last of Us Two article. I really enjoyed Thank reading you. it. Uh, I thought it was good stuff, for sure. So, highly recommend that. Um, yeah, I guess last thing I've got is uh, where can people find you online? Where can people find Lore Party stuff? Yeah, definitely. Uh, loreparty.com is the website. Just uh, L O R E P A R T Y. Loreparty.com. It's uh. You can find all the episodes there. You can uh, find most of our contact information there. And also all of our blogs are there, uh, including the one I wrote, but also the ones recently uh, from uh, Bruce wrote a really cool blog about how the quarantine kind of like helped him rediscover open world games. That was a really cool blog. We have some, I mean, it's, it's all just uh, perspectives from each of our hosts. Whenever, whenever one of us feels like writing something, we'll just throw a blog together and put it up and they all just kind of come from a personal perspective. So I like that about our blog, but yeah, you can find all of our episodes there. All of our blogs are there. Um, we're on Twitter at lore underscore party. Um, we have a YouTube channel too. Definitely check that out. Uh, just find lore, lore party on YouTube. We put some episode clips there sometimes like, uh, animations or, uh, gameplay footage over top of them. Uh, you know, neat little tidbits of episodes. We're also trying to do some more just original YouTube stuff. I think we're putting together, a an Among Us game that we played recently. <laughs> We're going to put that on YouTube soon. Uh, that should be fun. <laughs> um, and yeah, so keep an eye on that. Uh, my Twitter is just... Uh, actually, let me look it up. You can, if you want to check me out on Twitter, uh, my, my handle is <laughs> at Conrad the Meh. That's Conrad, C-O-N-R-A-D, the Meh, M-E-H. Um, yeah, I, I mostly just post lower party stuff there. You know, I retweet some things I like. I'm, I'm not super active i'm not like hyper online on twitter but yeah you can you can check me out there you can hit me up i'm not i'm not a str- don't be a stranger you know i'm not a standoffish celebrity or anything <laughs> i'm like i'm just some guy it's whatever <laughs> uh but i one one other thing i will put out there i'm actually uh kind of working my way into the uh voiceover industry as well i am uh doing some voice acting lessons with a coach i've built up a few demos and i might be launching a website soon so that's also something uh, you might notice about my Twitter or about my online presence. Um, yeah, and one last plug, I guess, if you uh, are looking for voice work, check me out. Uh, let, let, let me know. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's that's me. That's all. That's all I got. Hell yeah! No, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely check all of that stuff out for them. Highly recommend Lore Party and Connor. Thanks again for coming on. Super fun getting to chat about Days Gone with you. Absolutely, uh, man. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a this has been a blast. Honestly, um, we don't usually go this long on uh, Lore Party, so it was nice to really <laughs> uh, really take the breaks off and just you know have a nice long chat. So this this has been great. Thanks thanks for having me on your show, man. Good times. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. And then lastly, I guess for us, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that on Twitter at Story Everpod. Our website is thegreatestoryeverplayed.com. That'll give you uh, 
all our other episodes we've done stuff on. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash the greatest story ever played. Um, for as little as a dollar per month, that will give you access to uh, topical episodes we've done, like our favorite Pokemon or our favorite games from childhood, uh, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening and for your support in general. And uh, yeah, have a great day, everyone. Take care.